Well, 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 everybody, welcome back to Thought Criminals. You guys have wanted this one for a while. We got Will Roosh, everybody. He was in Denver for the Heterodox Academy Conference. I was there as well. We hung out. We jammed out. We did the thing. We recorded this podcast. We got two hours of just juicy content. We're talking JP, JP, Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson and addiction to controversy and victimhood. I know it's a little harsh. We like Jordan over here, but you got to be principled in your criticisms. We're talking the war on drugs. We're talking culture wars. We're talking religion and what Christianity gets wrong, what it gets right. Talking ideological capture. We're just talking the state of things, how it's going in the world, what we're doing with ourselves. It's a fucking weird time to be alive. I mean, we were at this conference and we talk about what the conference was and what we thought about it. It was, it was pretty good. Met some amazing people. Met some really amazing people, but you know, Will, it's it's interesting when you meet somebody on the internet, right? It's like you're Tinder dating, you're like talking back and forth, seems good. And every now and then, just like on any other dating app, you get to, you know, you find somebody that says they were 20 years younger than they were or a foot taller than they are. And it's messy. And that happens in social media friendships as well. What I can say you know, if Will said he was six foot one in his Tinder profile, when he showed up, he was six foot five. Better than expected. Amazing guy. Amazing. Just just a, a good hearted person. And it's funny because we have very similar ideas. But I'm kind of a dick, as you know. And Will, for whatever reason, has chosen the high road. <laughs> oh, man. And people love him for that. And he's a sweet, good hearted well-intentioned, principled person, and God damn it, I love him for it. I love him for it. So let's get into it, guys. You don't need to wait anymore. You do not need to wait one more second. Will Rouge, everybody. Coffee up. Heterodox. Yeah, good to go. Good to go. So, Will... Welcome to Thought Here, finally, huh? Finally here. We're doing real... It's been really interesting kicking it with everybody. Like yeah. me, you, Chris Williamson, just the guys from Unheard. Yeah. Rebel Wisdom. Colin Wright. Colin Wright. Yeah. I mean, it feels like... And it's funny because it's definitely appropriate because we're on Thought Criminals. Like, it feels like that's... We're all... We're yeah. on this really weird position. And then we were also in a room with 500 or so other people, mostly in academics, which is... Okay. I mean, it was fine. I would like to have seen it broad. It's a little dry. A little dry, a little narrow focus, but that's fine. Um, But being around a bunch of people who have the same thought, I thought there was was goods and bads about it. Like if I'm being really really critical about what was going on, there is is this kind of essence of victimhood that goes on in like the heterodox world. Mm -hmm. It's almost, we talked about this last night and I don't want to be critical of Brett and Eric Weinstein and maybe Jordan Peterson. We're going to get into a lot of these things. But there is this kind of, I think that victimhood is alluring, right? It's like a very safe place to be. And, yeah. and the people that seem to rail on victimhood the most are also seem to be captivated by it in a certain way. It's very strange. I've noticed that we, cause we were having conversations. It's like people who really enjoy all of these thinkers or whatever, 
being kind of stuck in like, why were they doing, why did they choose to do that fucking thing of all things? You well, know? they're choosing to push back really hard on like mainstream narratives. And then when the mainstream narrative comes after them, they're like, oh, they're coming after me. <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're playing this game. Yeah. You know the game you're playing. Yeah. But don't be surprised. Well, even Chris, we were with Chris Williamson last night and he was like, I was talking about my experience online, right? Mm. Super great guy. He's like, man, you've got like a knack for getting canceled. And I was like, no, no, no I've never been canceled. Mm. Canceled is a mob. I've been censored. And I say wild shit, so I'm yeah. going to get censored. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not surprised that I'm being censored by a big tech platform that really doesn't love what I have to say. Um, but that's different to me than being canceled. I think canceled gets like used in all these different ways. I'm like, I don't think, I don't think no one. I'm not big enough to, for anybody to really give a shit. You know? How have you been? So you've been like shadow banned, shadow banned on Instagram, demonetized. Um, I well, I had monetization access on YouTube, okay. and then I got a content strike yeah. for repurposing a video that was already on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, for my own okay. stuff, which is very strange. Uh, TikTok's banned me twice, and I was yeah. I, I was actually doing I was cruising on. That. I mean, I was like, I was going I was going to a million followers. I was just hauling ass. I mean, yeah. I was I couldn't put a video up that didn't get sixty thousand views. I had three point five or five point five point one or six point one something like that million views on my first video I ever posted from politically homeless on there. Huh. Uh, as it was actually called Connor Wanders at the time. So like. And I think what actually happened, oddly enough, and this is just my hypothesis, is that I had got a lot of Trump supporters on my side because I was ripping on Biden, mm, and they mm. assumed that I was conservative, mm. and then I ripped on some conservatives during the very early days of COVID, and I think a lot of them reported me. <laughs> so that's so you think it was just it was going after both sides? Because for me, yeah. I got shadow banned, and it wasn't it wasn't racial stuff, it wasn't it wasn't even political stuff. It was it was the COVID stuff. The COVID that's, stuff what, that's what hit worse than anything for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, that's I think that. And I tried to even like watch myself, but it's just not in my nature to do that at all. Yeah, well, I mean, why are we doing this? You know, yeah, I, yeah exactly. I mean, it makes me makes me it, it definitely has that element of like, oh, well, now I want to lean in more. Exactly, and I can see how someone who all of a sudden like these, and, and I think I don't remember who it was who was saying this last night was talking about these these people that I respect, right? Like I respect Jordan Peterson, I respect mm-hmm. the, the Weinstein brothers, yeah. um, Barry Weiss. Like I respect these people, uh, Glenn Greenwald, these different sure. variety of people, right? Um, but at the same time, and I don't say I don't think that Glenn does this as much. A little bit, Matt doesn't do it at all. But these other, like they they were journalists before, and so they had opinions that were public, and they've taken backlash for that. And it was like a slow, kind of a slow degradation. They had taken backlash for maybe uh, let's just use Glenn Greenwald as an example, like these the Hillary Clinton leaked emails, um, WikiLeaks, all this stuff, yeah. right? Uh, Snowden, and so his defense of that, he would, he had kind of like calloused himself. To take criticism, yeah. whereas someone like Peterson became famous overnight, and I don't know if he knew how to handle the shit. Yeah, I just think it kind of and, and having love loving the dude, and the same thing with the Weinstein brothers. It's mm-hmm. like you know what game you're playing here. I have zero doubt that people will love me or hate me, and that is one thousand percent okay. One of the best, some of the best advice I ever got in my life was from my first boss, his name was Jeremy Teal at CrossFit Central. He goes. I like you because people have to make a fucking decision about you. They either love you or they hate you. They're not indifferent. And that's good. Yeah. And no one is ever indifferent yeah. about you. And he goes, that's good for business. And I was like, uh. it is good for business. And I actually, yeah. I, I, I embodied that. You know, it was some of the best advice I've ever gotten in my life as a 22-year-old. Well, it's good for media too. I mean, if you look at like Howard Stern or someone like that, that's yeah. how he built his bones. You know, in the movie, they're like, the average Howard Stern lover, you know, listens for 40 minutes. What about the haters? They listen for an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, just like, I mean, or Floyd Mayweather in boxing. It's like, yeah. how do I get people to watch? Because they want to see me get knocked out. Conor McGregor. So, yeah. Same deal. Yeah. Yeah. You piss people off. You wow people up. And and you know, when we get talk about all these like getting into all of this stuff, it's mm-hmm. like you're just like going through the fucking woods with a machete and trying to like yeah. figure out my which way am I gonna go here? It's complicated and it's nuanced. And I think one of the things I really appreciate is when people are unpredictable with their takes. 
Yeah. You know? Well, what, what are, what are we? Cause like, I don't, I don't know. That's the thing. I went back to the hotel then after we were out with this crew last night and my wife was like, so I was trying to talk to my friends about this conference and about you guys. Like, <laughs> she's like, what is it? Like there's journalists and there's college professors and there's media people. And then I'm a, I'm a high school teacher. Like what? podcasters but then some people don't listen to podcasts at all some people embrace social media some people say social media is the devil yeah but we're, yet we all have this one thing in common where we're like truth seekers or we're, i don't know what I, it is i don't know what it is and i think he's just i think there's a level like it's curious people who yeah. are disgruntled with the way things are where things are headed i mean just let's just look at like the last couple of days the, the two panels that i enjoyed the most mm-hmm. um who was on this one today? It was uh, Glenn Lowry and uh, John McCorder and Eric Smith. Yeah, which yeah. was great, right? So the yeah. economists and these like thinkers, very like tenured professors type of pe- type of people, right? And then yesterday we had Bacha Saga, uh, Sargon, uh, Unger Sargon, who's a Marxist journalist who yeah. set the fucking thing on fire. Yeah, and it was incredible, and she was. And it was. It was like how often do those people all have a similar? Um, motivation. Yeah. National Review was on one side and Vox is on the other. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in then Science Magazine. Exactly. And then Batia from, I don't know, uh, Newsweek. Newsweek. Yeah. yeah. So it's great. I don't, yeah, but like we all have that one thing in common and we disagree. So there's conservatives and there's, and there's liberals and there's progressives and there's, you know, there's Marxists and all this stuff. But we all have this one thing in common, but it's very, so it's hard to put us in a box. That's why I think initially it was the IDW. Yeah. It talks about dark web and yeah. that's, that like concept stuck with me. But that's kind of fizzled out, that kind of concept. So I don't know if we, I don't know if we need a title, if we're going to need a grouping, but it's just well, I mean, an interesting thing. But even within the – and that's the thing. The intellectual dark web is kind of the canary in the coal mine, right? Mm-hmm. Because those guys had very a variety of different views yeah. on how the world should be done. I mean, if you look at – I mean, some people were the same. Like Sam – Harris, I mean, it was Douglas Murray considered part of that too. I don't know. Maybe it was before that. Yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah. yeah maybe yeah. It's sim- like they had similar, but it's like you get you could get in there and it was like there was some vastly different views on what was going on. But they had, and this is where I get when it comes to politics and, and our current like worldview, mm-hmm. I think it's good if we can agree on what the problems are, yeah. right? If we can agree, we can have very different, you can have a, you can be a libertarian and a Marxist and agree on what the issues are. Your solutions will be wildly different. Yeah. But if you have the commonality of agreeing what the problems are, then you have somewhere to go. Whereas now we can't even like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a small piece. And this was the one thing they highlighted a lot was how small that like wild radical left or whatever you want to call yeah. it, whatever Ben Shapiro would call it. Right. That community is so it's like 6% of the population. Bacha mm-hmm. said that. And it's like, true. We don't have to really, you don't have to cater to them. But I think if, if you can get to a place where if you think that the underlying problem of all of America's issues is systemic racism, you don't really have re- what do we have to agree on? We have nothing yeah. to agree on. So we're not even like, I, th- of course I think systemic racism exists and things have happened. And there's like, there's lingering effects of, of overtly racist laws. There's still overtly racist laws and policies yeah. that are and now there's less of them. Like, I mean, we could just, and now people that don't want to say that it doesn't exist. I'm like, well, why is crack have a 10, mm-hmm. 10 X penalty to cocaine? Yeah. That's a racist law. Straightforward. So that like, just by that law existing, systemic racism de facto exists. And yeah. we don't have to get any more complicated than that to expose that. But if you, if you can't even see, the problems is the same. Then you're solu- then you have you have no no way to communicate about solutions, and that's yeah. that it like stresses me out kind of. Well, if you don't have one thing in common, then you have nothing. Then you have nothing to align with this person with. Like you yeah. can disagree on a million things, but you got to find one thing that you do agree with. Uh, Cory Booker, I actually was a fan of his when he was in New Jersey. He was the mayor of Newark, and he was in a new. Uh, he was in a, a conservative city, a state at the time. It was under mm-hmm. Chris Christie, and he would go and have meetings with Chris Christie because he was the mayor of the biggest city, and Chris Christie was the the governor of the uh, of the of the state of New Jersey. And his people would say like, "Oh, you better give it to Chris Christie. Go after him hard." He's like, "Look, I disagree with him on a thousand things. We mm-hmm. agree on about five things." I'm going to focus on those five things. 
Yeah. Cause, cause then we're not going to get anywhere if we don't, if we, if we just talk about we're just going to be fighting, but instead of being like, at, like, like this, we just have to go shoulder to shoulder. Let's yeah. come on. Let's together. Let's walk towards trying to solve this problem. We'll disagree on how to do it. But yeah, I mean, we have to agree on those. I, I'm with you. And then this one thing I, I said this on, I was on JP Sears's podcast, but he mm. never released it. Spoiler alert. But <laughs> I don't know why, okay, but, nice. uh, it, it was, yeah, it was an odd situation, but, um, I said libertarians and socialists actually have a lot in common, right? A lot in common. Now they, again, they have, they agree upon the issues, right? So let's talk about drug legalization, right? Especially marijuana. Yeah, that's a huge one for me. Yeah. War, yeah. right? The military industrial, like there's a lot yeah. of commonalities. Yeah. Of course, your economic principles are quite different. And maybe the reasons that you think war is bad is different, mm-hmm. but you have a, a substantial amount of alignment. And to me, I even said this, I think I had a, a, something to think about on the show on Politically Homeless about this. Is like, we need more libertarians and socialists in government. Like actual, so, not Bernie Sanders, like actual socialists and actual libertarians. Yeah. So I want to see them argue about shit. Because somewhere in between their two ideologies, you, you get to circumvent neoliberals and neoconservatives. Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah, they, yeah. They don't even, they, it's not even, they're not even playing the same game, yeah. right? And I think that that's something that's really, really fun to even think about because you have two extremes in a way, especially within our political system now, yeah. that might actually be able to like come together and be like, and have some really unique ideas they could get over their own bullshit and their own ego to make that happen. And so much of it is ego-driven too, you know? For sure. Yeah, the war on drugs is such an interesting one because that one seems so clear to me as a bad idea. And you go back to like John Ehrlichman <laughs> under Nixon was like, this is our way to lock up black people and stuff like yeah, that. So hippies, if you're talking yeah. about systemic racism, I've gotten into it with a lot of like critical race theory because I'm, I'm in education. So it's, it's like a big thing. And when I bring that up to these critical race theory ID people, they're like, no. I was like, what do you mean? No, this is perfect. You're talking about systemic racism in a way that's not racism on its front. It's exactly, I've read these critical race theory books. This is it. And they're like, no, no, no. That's just one thing. You got to tear it all down. As opposed to like, this is an area where liberals, conservatives, the extremes, on, we can all agree on this, but it's not happening. It, the, the drug policy in this country is, is so strange to me. It makes no sense. Yeah. And hopefully our kids will be able to live in a, a country where it's, it's not the way it is now, but Carl Hart, uh, Drug Use for Grownups, a great book, and mm-hmm. he's done more research on drugs on people than anyone else. He's like the head of neuropharmacology at Columbia, and he's like, we should be running these, these drug laws based on science, yeah. not just based on the way that it feels. And all of the way the drug laws work now is the way that it feels. It's uh-huh. not based on the science of what these chemicals do at all. No, 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 no. Not, not at all. And this, especially when you have, we got stage three clinical trials on, I mean, the mandatory minimums, that's what gets me weird too, is like the mandatory mm-hmm. minimums with LSD, right? is seven years, seven years. You could go rape someone and not get seven years in prison. But if I'm in possession of one hit of LSD, the mandatory minimum of seven years, that's insane. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's not um, neurotoxic either, right? No, it's neuroregenerative. That's so, so, so what's the <laughs> argument you can have There's when you can't one. even overdose, you can want to die, but like you yeah. can't, you can't die from it when you can die from eating too much salt. Like there's, it's, yeah. it's, there's no logical reason it actually goes into I can buy a bunch of yeah. enough vodka to kill myself with like $8 easily. Yeah, I <laughs> even know with inflation. Now, one of the things that uh, John Haidt talks about, cause we were just at this heterodox thing. Mm-hmm. Is in his books, he gives a whole bunch of like of rationale for why people support these ideas that they do, and it's not always through logic or reason. And one of the ones that mm-hmm. he does in the book that's really silly but uh, is interesting is like you take a rotisserie chicken, uh-huh. you put on a condom, and you have sex with it. Is it wrong to eat that chicken? Yeah. Okay. And people go, yes, it's wrong. It's disgusting. You know, it brings up that disgust element of your moral foundations. Uh, but you can't logic your way through it. It's not because it's unhealthy. It's not because it's just gross and you can't really know why. And it feels like there's a lot of that within drug policy. It's like, this is wrong. Taking a bump of cocaine is way worse than having three shots of of espresso. Why? Like chemically, why? 
They're like, why? And they, they don't get there. It's just like, well, because it's just the way it is. I talked to a barista one time at Starbucks. I was like, if my seven-year-old walked in and asked for four shots of espresso, would you sell them? She's like, yeah. Like, that's that's not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It's interesting. We, it yeah. is. It is interesting, and it's like there is again. There's there's a moral argument. It's like that the quote about porn. Like I can't define mm. porn, but you know, know when, when you I see it. it. Yeah, and that's the thing with with so much of this stuff. It's it's just so odd. It's like can you not have one ounce of curiosity? And I actually, having had a, a little bit of a discussion with with John Hyde, it, I I wasn't that impressed. Mm. I mean, I, I liked his book, yeah. and I've read a lot of his stuff, and and, and it's good. But it was like he was – I feel like he was also blinded by the idiocy of the left. Yeah. And I'm like, you understand you're giving idiots on the right a pass. Correct. Like this is what the whole kind of premise behind politically homeless and even thought criminals is like, I'm not giving stupid people a pass that are making decisions regardless of where they are on the political right. spectrum. I don't give a shit if they are in alignment with me and they're doing dumb shit. Like yeah. I'm going to call that out as well. And it's not great for making friends. But I have zero interest in giving – you know, he was talking about – um he was talking about young girls on social media that yeah. go through adolescence on social media from left-wing households or having a harder time than conservative girls in the same situation. And I'm like, it, with dating and, and growing into mature relationships. Mm. And I was like, that is such a, I have to, I really want to read what he has to write about that because I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I'm like, I grew up in a very conservative community. And that, my parents didn't push religion on me too much. It wasn't like that. But I did it to myself because when you live in the Bible Belt, the church has a lot of leverage. Right. Um, and so we had the basketball court. We had uh, called Church on Wednesday. We called it Cow. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was, it was recreational, and, and there was girls around, which was always good. And it's funny how churches kind of like sell sex to kids because they like the girl, to get them in. You know what I mean? Like you do the thing where you like pass the apple around underneath your necks, and I'm like, every kid has a fucking hard on. Every boy has a hard on out here, um, unless they're closeted gay, and then they're like, well, then they maybe they're next to a boy, and maybe they are. Um, but the whole thing, it was like that caused so much damage in my romantic and like intimate relationships going forward, yeah. to where like I would resent myself. That would be projected onto somebody else because of like this internalized sex shame. So I don't think that he. I don't think he's looking at the whole picture here. And it was really, but I think that the, the, again. What is it? The elephant and the writer, right? Yeah. I'm like, your emotion is pushing you in one direction. And I think you being the person who created that argument needs to take a step back. Yeah. And who am I to criticize Jonathan Haidt, right? But it, I just oh. noticed that. And I was I was having trouble articulating in a conversation with him. And I wasn't going to have a debate with Jonathan Haidt at a conference right. um, in that scenario. But I did see, like, I'm like, this, 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 this feverishness. To, to own the left yeah. from even intellectuals, I think it blinds people, man. And, and, and people come at me for having a secret conservative agenda and things like that, which I don't. I'm mm. not a conservative. I have I align with conservatives on a handful of things, but not people that are that far right, like the center right maybe. Mm. Um, but it's weird. It, it, is, it is blinding in a way. You know what I think? It, I think it's because of where he's at. It's the waters you swim in. So it's the waters you swam in in Texas growing up. He is in academia. And you could see at this conference all these college professors, like they yes. are really worried because that's their world. They don't even – He Jonathan Hyde admitted he was in his 40s before he ever um, realized that conservatives could be anything but crazy. Like he was yeah. in his 40s. Like he just – you were in these echo chambers. Yeah. I'm in education. I'm in K-12 education. It's the same thing. At least I'm in L.A. So yeah. it's probably not the same in Idaho or something. But Dude, where I, mean, I am – the, the school teachers in my hometown carry guns. So. Yeah. So that's the thing. So it, it's very <laughs> geographically <laughs> yeah. like, like, um, like um, diver, diverse where, wherever you are in the country. But where I am in Los Angeles in these big metropolitan areas, it is really one type of thinking, which is why me – I've never voted Republican. I started voting Republican um, for local elections in uh-huh. California I think the balance is off in California, but I've never voted Republican up until 2018 for any office. And yet I call out the left a lot mm-hmm. because 
that's like my crew and I see the craziness there more in my life than I do see the craziness of like the alt-right. Yeah. Those people just don't, they're, they're very quiet. They're, they're not emboldened to say what they think. They're, they're shut down in like Los Angeles mm-hmm. where the extremists on the left are just very vocal and bold. And I think they're more likely to corrupt my world of schools. Yeah. So I, th- this, I think that's what John has is in his world, he just doesn't get exposed to reasonable ideas from conservatives very much. I think he's, I think that's definitely a blind spot of his. And a yeah. Lot of these people. And a lot of the, and again, and it's, you know, I heard a lot of things and I, I want to be, I want to be critical of the conference because that's what we, that's what it's for. Course, right. Yeah. I mean, it's a heterodox conference and I hear, I went to a lot of different, mm. I think I missed like a couple of the breakout sessions, but I was at mo- most of the opportunities I had to go see something I wanted to see that wasn't about education, which was rare there yeah. because it was so academic. Um, but we had this, a lot of discussion around humanizing the other, right? Like humanize the other person, human, humanize people you don't agree, disagree with. And to me, there is kind of some implicit self-righteousness in that. Like, oh, I need, I need to have the power to humanize the other. When instead, that starts with you, in my opinion, right? And maybe that's kind of a more of a Buddhist principle. Like, it starts with you. If you bring a, a, an energy of humility to a conversation with someone and can maybe admit how you've changed your mind, what you've been wrong about, what you agree with a conservative on if you're a liberal or vice versa, mm-hmm. that sets the stage for a conversation. But if you think that I, I, in, my own, in my own glory, I need to humanize this other person mm-hmm. – to me, I'm like, you, it's, it's, it's two way street. Like it doesn't start with humanizing someone else. Yeah. And, and I guess there is a place where it's like, if you have a propensity to say like, well, this person is evil because they believe that trans people should exist. You know, I mean, I, I guess I get it, but at the same time, it's worth considering like someone's worldview and also considering your life experience and what led you to where you are and your way of thinking and how it may be flawed and how, how your life experiences may not line up. And that's not the other person's problem. It's a, it's a, it's both of your issues, right? It's just both yeah. of your like limited, limited perspective and limited lens on the way you see the world. Yeah. I think one of the things that comes up that I found is a, a great tool for trying to break down walls between people that disagree is vulnerability, showing vulnerability. Uh-huh. You know, it's a weird thing, Connor, is I have a, a fear of public speaking. So if I'm speaking for like 10 adults, I get like, I'm shaking. I don't like it, <laughs> but I can speak in front of 500 teenagers and be just good to go. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's weird. Why is that? So I was trying to think about it. It's not that teenagers aren't brutal. They're way mm-hmm. more brutal. If I have a pee stain on my pants, they're going after me hard, right? <laughs> but then if I, if I show embarrassment, like, oh my gosh, I feel really terrible. I show real vulnerability to them. They are really quick to recognize that vulnerability. They're teenagers. They are all super insecure. They're very willing to go, oh, okay, I'm soft. You're showing softness. I'll be soft towards you. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to show that vulnerability. And a lot of these really smart people that we interacted with, you know, like these college professors, these public intellectual types, they don't show a lot of vulnerability. Vulnerability, humility. No. I mean, think, think about the last time that Brett Weinstein or Weinstein, excuse me, showed vulnerability. Yeah, he's shown a lot of resentment and a lot of right. bitterness, you know, and a lot of frustration. Just that softness of like, you know, I'm really struggling like here. Glenn, I'm Glenn at, yeah. the, at the economic yeah. conversation. So we had three black men mm-hmm. talking to us about race issues, economics, like their way, their views, and he was like. It meant so much because they, um, what was the other man's name? I, I, John McWhorter. John McWhorter yeah. was up there and he was talking about how when people call him an uncle, uncle Tom mm-hmm. or a coon, that it doesn't fucking bother him. He's like, you know, basically he said, fuck him. Right. Yeah. And Glenn was like, it hurts. Yeah. I love and that. And I, I was like that. Cause it does. Yeah. And he you just know? said it. And then there was a silence in the room. Yeah. I think people didn't expect and it. And he said it softly. And it Lowry, was like, like, he is, he's so well-respected in all of these different spaces. And for him to say like this random comment hurt him or yeah. these, from these random, just like the trolls, even that it hurts him. I thought that was a really important thing for him to acknowledge. It, exactly. And maybe I think the other guys also, it's, that's a very personal experience, mm-hmm. right? Like people can say things to me that I'm like, well, oh, whatever, dude, like that's just yeah, obviously yeah. not true. But people say things like cut. 
You know, especially yeah. if there's a, an ounce of maybe like truth or maybe you, something you believe about yourself in that or it's, I can see that. And it was like that moment of vulnerability. Like may, I was like, I, that's why I, that's how I remember his name and nobody else's. I was yeah. on the panel, right? Yeah. I didn't know him before, before that experience. And I was like, damn, that was, that was real. And his groundedness and the way he approached race issues, I thought was really eloquent, you know, and, and how we haven't taken seriously helping black kids when it comes to education and mm. doing something about these families. And we kind of like bypass all these things. And we just, it's like the idea that he like, we haven't taken it seriously. We've played, you know, song and dance hand waving about these things, but we haven't sat down and taken it seriously. And I was like, that's so spot on. And that's not passing the buck and saying it's welfare's fault or whatever, you know, it's con- conventional conservative arguments. It was, it was an indictment of all of us Yeah, for distracting. It was, it was so just so well said. And I yeah. was, I was really impressed by him. Let me ask you at this conference, because um, we've been we're in this like online social media world that a lot of people here were not. I have I I was surprised at how many people can I curse? Yeah, yeah. I've said fuck like thirty six <laughs> times. <laughs> uh, how many people shit on the? Uh, yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't be able to. Um, but uh, but how many people shit on social media? I was actually surprised. And John Height was one of the biggest ones. He's like, it's not good. And the, the one we were at today, that yeah. woman who's the educator, she's like, social media is not a place for nuance. It's not a place to discuss um, topics. I would say for anybody, and. That's not true. That's I don't I, I mean the platform's not ideal, but I think you can do. I had a mm-hmm. talk with Hyde about that, but you know, ha, there's a lot of things that were talked about that these very smart college professors were like, "Hmm, that's fascinating." Hmm, that's and you and I were kind of like, "Yeah, we've been on this for a while." <laughs> like like yeah. these tools, these tools are ways to get information pumped mm-hmm. quickly while these you know academic nerds are reading these books and stuff like that. We're getting it real quick in like a TikTok yeah. and, and learning all this information. I don't know. I think it's it's we're we're so, at, a, at the forefront of something that they're not. I think we're, I think you're absolutely right. And I was I had, I had a, a pretty serious disagreement with them as well. And I had this conversation with a couple of of speakers or presenters as well mm-hmm. to do. And, I, and this is not in the era of like self righteousness at all. To do what you and I try and do. One, it's a terrible way to grow an audience. Yeah. Nuance is a terrible way to grow an audience. Sure. I could go full MAGA tomorrow and have a hundred thousand Instagram same. followers, or I could go full Marxist tomorrow yeah. and have a hundred thousand Instagram followers, yeah. right? And a Patreon full of people, and I would just tell them what they want to hear, and I would make money. That would make me a grifter, and I have zero interest in doing that. But if you're talented and disciplined in the way you do it, and principled, if you are if you are principled, to show up in a principled way, and people can, and I, this happens to me all the time. So my, my favorite message to get from someone is, I disagree with you but I appreciate that you're consistent. And I was yeah. like, th- you're, thank you. Oh yeah. Thank you. She's like, they're like, you know, or I, I agree with you on this thing, but I disagree with you on so many other things. I'm like, awesome. That's yeah. fuck. That, you're, you're the kind of person I want to have around. Cause there are people that agree with me on like almost everything. Right. And some people tell me that I'm like their go-to source for news, which I think is probably not, they need to maybe mix it up a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do get varied sources and I think people appreciate mm-hmm. that. And I'm very clear about where they come from because they're literally on the screen while yeah. I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it, it's a talent. I think it's a skill set. I think that, um, many people in that environment resent that they can't do it well. And they may be a little bit entitled to people treating them in that way, which is unrealistic in a social media environment. Um, But if you can, if you can convey nuance in a 60 second reel or TikTok or whatever, right. And have somebody think that is, that's a gift. Yeah. And it, again, it's not built for this machine, right? You're trying to do something different. It's like, it's like, to me, it's like saying that electric cars are a bad idea because no one's figured out how to do one yet, but it was pre Tesla. It's like, yeah, you just got to do it a different way because everybody's trying to make consumer products instead of making mm-hmm. a high-end product and then making more affordable versions of a high-end product. You, he turned it upside down. 
And I think if you and you and I come out with that premise of like, this is a place for nuanced conversations. I get hard for nuance. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. that's, and it's like, and I will take an argument that I don't even agree with just to make your argument stronger because I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. And if people, and that's the thing about like, my, even in the Patreon, it's a smaller community. It's 70 people. I wish it was more. Um, but that's what we do. And I have crowdsourced conversations and I get to see people's conversations in the, in the comments thread of a, of a topic request for a podcast. And yeah. I get to read those off to a bunch of other people. And it's really, I, I have cultivated that environment. So I have hope. Yeah. But if you've never seen that or experienced it, like I would like for Jonathan Hyde to get into my Patreon, right? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll pay for it for him yeah. and listen to some of the conversations that we are the, the topics that people bring up and how we go about discussing them. And sometimes it's as simple as like, Hey, you're being told to care about that, but you probably shouldn't. Yeah. You know what though? <laughs> you know? It's a, it's a, it's a quality and quantity thing though, too, because I've talked to like people, I'm sure you have, who have big following on like Instagram, yeah. hundreds of thousands of people. But then if you look at like how many like deep, like direct messages you get, or I get like, yeah. it's a lot. It's people who are like writing long things about how I open their mind up to new things. Thank you for helping me to think how to help it. Like that's the, and then these people with hundreds of thousands of followers, it's just, it's just like, it's like mindless content. Yeah. It's like, oh, you fell over on a beach and, and got some sand in your eyes. Ah, ha, ha. And it's just like, da, 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 da. so like you might only have 70 on Patreon. I don't know. I have a Patreon, I, I think, <laughs> but it's not many people like, um, but those people are like, they're, they're loyal to your ideas and, and they really buy into what you're doing. Like they yeah. really buy into it. And there are people with a million followers who don't have any real buy-in. It's just, it's mindless. Mm-hmm. It's mindless, just like kind of just like flash garbage. And what we're trying to do is, which, which the, the platforms are perfect for that. Yeah. You know, Instagram is perfect for just the mindless garbage. Fall over, make a sound, blah, 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 blah. And you'll get a lot of followers. And what we're doing is something very different, but it's deeper. It feels like there, yeah. it's, it's like, okay, so this is possible. So that's a conversation I have with that. It's like, it's possible. You don't think it's possible. He's like, no, it's not possible. And I took out my phone. It's just so close minded stuff. It's I know. So close minded to think that way. I know. I showed him, I showed him my phone. I showed him some of the stuff that I'm doing. He's like, I, I he was like surprised. Like he had his mind blown. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's so it's extremely close minded. I also felt like he didn't take me very seriously. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah I mean, but then again guys, like that's 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 an aesthetic piece and i'm not an intellectual so it's it is what it is yeah, somebody called know. me a, a faux intellectual today and i was like i don't pretend to be an intellectual dude yeah is that an insult i guess i don't know i was like all right whatever but yeah i mean these, these people it was it, i was kind of shocked by that it's yeah. like you're talking open mind as mind as well mind Talking open-mindedness while being closed-minded, it was really There's strange. data people, though. So they're looking at the yes. data around this. And and on a, and we do an aggregate data thing. Like, yeah, social media is bad for all these reasons. But that does it. Same thing. With, you look at um, the data on electric cars. Yeah. Like the GM was the EV1 and stuff. It's like a top speed of 60 miles an hour. goes 80 miles <laughs> per charge. It's like, this thing's garbage. Yeah. Okay. It's basically, yeah. Like, it's basically like a, a Barbie Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like a power wheel. Like, But like, why can't we just like... like but you need someone who's like, like Elon just go like, no, no, there's potential here. We just need to flush it out. Yeah. And, and everyone's going to come after him, the oil companies, the car companies, but mm-hmm. it's like double middle fingers. Fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. And yeah. then after I do it, everyone's going to go, oh, awesome. I'm on board with this too. I was always supportive of it and all that kind of shit. Yeah. I think that's kind of where this whole social media world is headed. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're just, you know, to some degree, this crew that we're, you know, in whatever this is, is like kind of just early adopters of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, even at this conference, I was like, I want, I want to have a room next year. I'm actually going to mm-hmm. pitch this to him. Yeah. Or I'm going to sit, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually have a panel or a, um, a room full of, and I want to bring two random people up with mm-hmm. different views mm-hmm. and they're just going to argue with each other. I'm going to teach them how to do it better. 
Yeah. I'm going to be like, yeah. hey, well, think about this. Because I can, I'm, I do have a knack for steel manning arguments on both yeah. sides. It's something I don't know why it is, but I think it's because I went from being a super conservative Bible Belt kid mm-hmm. that listened to Rush Limbaugh to Austin to being kind of a, a, a little bit of a lefty. I don't know if he was ever like far lefty. Okay. Um, but I like universal healthcare. I like Bernie Sanders. I, yeah. th- I thought that stuff had merit. I thought it was worth having. It was valid for valid enough for a conversation, which is kind of the, the litmus test for me. It's like, is this valid enough for us to have a conversation that could be beneficial? I'm not like, this is what needs to happen right now, tomorrow. But, um, and then kind of meeting back in this center left, independent uh, indictment of both political parties. I think the biggest threat to democracy, which is really funny because people like to talk about this from the Democratic Party. I'm like, you, Democratic Party and the Republican Party, the DNC and the RNC, are the biggest threat and biggest impediment to American democracy. And if you can't see that, I, I cannot consider you a serious person. Have you always thought like this? Is it? Do you have to work to like think to steal man and be politically homeless, or is that just like your natural no operating system? I'm incredibly uh, so. If you look at the Big Five aspect scale, Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson, have you done that before? Uh, I never did his, but I've done another one. Yeah, yeah so it's the same. He just yeah, cope, you know yeah. white labeled it. Um, I am high in. This is why I was a good a life coach. Yeah, I'm very empathetic, mm-hmm. and I'm in the one percentile for agreeableness. Okay. So I enjoy arguing, mm-hmm. and I have a very stubborn family. And so for me, I find joy in even taking, like I said, taking positions I don't agree with just to fuck with someone. And it used to be, I used to kind of use it as like a, to be a bully Mm, and to get my way and to get attention because I was a fat kid. So you have to find, I was funny and I was very, I was a funny fat kid. I was like a little Chris Farley of my junior high. So for me, a lot of it was kind of stuff like that. Like even I would like mess with my friend's parents when I was a kid. About their bodies, taking fights and yeah, just yeah. just messing around, yeah. and it was like it was it was fun for it was like enjoyable for me. I was able to see, especially when I'd lost weight and became like fit and was coaching CrossFit, mm-hmm. I could see that when you're not a fat kid, that just makes you an asshole. And I didn't want to be like when you're fat, people okay. are like it kind of like it's, yeah, you're, you're you jolly, and, yeah, you, yeah. When you're not, then you're like I'm six foot four and you know have the gift of bone structure. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just a dick. And so I had to really do some self reflection on that, and I had to learn what empathy was, and I went through like a kind of personal development journey. Um, but that never went away. And then I was in environments when I worked for like on it and these different people where I saw people that were articulating, um, narcissism as a benefit well and selling it. Mm -hmm. So I had to find a way to articulate the opposition to what I consider toxic traits, um, that were being sold as personal development. Uh, I had to find arguments against that. And that was very complicated because you're talking about very charismatic, articulate arguments for, being a piece of shit. (laughs) And I'd be like, maybe I need to articulate this in a different way. And, um, even looking at things that I, that I really, you know, am passionate about, I have to also understand both sides. Like if you're, if you're going to be a psychedelic advocate, right? You do not want to be Timothy Leary, right? Right. You want to be able to say, here are the upsides, here are the downsides, here's what's appropriate, even for marijuana, right? I don't Mm -hmm. think it's a good idea to smoke marijuana until you're about 20 years old, at least. Um, that's when I started. And I think I, I, and even maybe that's a little too early. Um, here and there is probably fine, but like habitually, if you're going to be a daily smoker, like I, I smoke almost every night now. Um, and I, I have no issues with it. I do snack too much, but as far as my mind goes, I'm good. Um, so it's like, you have to be able to have those kind of conversations. If you want to have strong opinions, I feel like you need to be able to acknowledge your unintended consequences. Yeah. And if you can't acknowledge the unintended consequences of what you're passionate about, because everyone has them, then again, I can't take you seriously. Yeah. You know, and, and politicians are notoriously bad at that. 
Well, I think a lot of politicians see it as if you highlight what's wrong with me or my party, then that weakens us. And I, I just I di- I fundamentally disagree. disagree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you can't, like if you have to show self-awareness of this is where we're wrong, this is where we're good. Here's, it's interesting you talk about agreeableness because you and I, like when we started, when we met, I think I put it on Instagram, it was like the stepbrothers. <laughs> I was like, wow, we align on a lot of things, but our personalities are, I am very high in agreeableness. I'm a, yeah. I'm a school teacher. Yeah. Mr. Roosh, oh, my parents are, are mean to me. I'm sad. You want to talk to me? It's like, yeah, come on. Let's, like, that's like empathy. But like, I'm also just like, when people say things, it's, it's interesting. Like when people say things that are like attacking me, I like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, don't want to fight. I really don't. And I get involved in all these fights, but I really don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't seek them out. I just, I just have to stand my ground. You get, you know? and that's, I think it's good for you. Yeah. I think it is really good. I think I'll, I'll, it would be disingenuous if I tried to take your approach. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it well. I, I, do I don't have to I think about it. it. Yeah. yeah it's just, right. it's just, I, would, I would have to. And that's one thing too about even coaching weightlifting or whatever these different mm. things I've done in my kind of careers in life is I really enjoy pattern recognition mm. and finding problems with things. Yeah. Because when you think about it, whether it's CrossFit or gymnastics or weightlifting, these things that I did uh, into politics, human behavior science, you're looking at someone's pattern of life or pattern of movement and finding weak points in that, which may be complicated, right? So if you think about a snatch, which is taking a barbell from the ground to your to overhead in one movement, Something may present itself in the exact same way in two different people and be caused by two completely different things. And for you to understand, you need to understand whether it's a, is it an upper back strength issue or is it a weight distribution issue in the, when you're, when you're pulling? Mm. Are you not using your legs or do you not have the capacity in your upper back to sweep the bar back into the certain position? And you've got to be able to notice that to be a talent, to be good at what you're doing. And I always wanted to be good at what I was doing. I mean, I would watch, and this is kind of my personality. When I started coaching CrossFit, I would watch Kelly Sturette videos. I'd watch them one time through with the audio on, and then I'd restart him and watch him with the audio off. Because I wanted to see the way he communicated with his mannerisms and his body, because he, was, he still is, to this day, incredible at that. And I started, because I was watching it, like mirror neurons, I started reflecting in the way I coached, the way somebody that I respected handled themselves. And I do the same thing with arguments now. When I was listening to podcasts back in the day, especially when I was deer hunting, I'd listen to Sam Harris on Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. back in the day, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, or Chris Ryan. And I knew all of Chris Ryan's work. and I knew all of Sam Harris's work. So they really weren't telling me anything I didn't already have a pretty good grasp of. But what I was listening for was how does he get to this conclusion? Or how does she language this in a way that makes sense? How, what, how does this person's brain get from this conclusion to that conclusion? That's what fascinated me. So I started, I started looking at the patterns. Mm. And when I started to understand the patterns, I could say, well, that actually fits my personality type and I can embody that. Or... Um, you know, I could see a flaw in it somewhere and maybe, maybe that would teach me something. So I was actually learning more from their thought process because Rogan's so good at getting that out of people. Yeah, He's yeah. probably the best at it really. And so that was really fun for me to say. It was just, it was just, it's just patterns really. At the end of the day, it's like there are commonalities and, and principles. And if you have principles, then you can create it like a framework for your life. And then from there, you're, you're essentially operating within a, within a system of a system of patterns. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So it started with so it started with with CrossFit, and then you just apply that's kind of like how you do one thing is how you do anything yes. or everything. So yeah. you looked at CrossFit, it's like I can apply this to even intellectual pursuits and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. More, I wouldn't even say CrossFit, but just human movement in general. Like Physical right movement. now, right yeah. now, I'm fascinated with golf, mm-hmm. but I, I'm fascinated with it because I don't understand how it how the human body's supposed to move. I understand the the physics of it. But I still haven't quite figured out like where the weight moves and this like how and it, it because I haven't figured it out it's driving me absolutely fucking insane. Mm. Like I have to be golfing. I, my, Kelly was like, "You haven't golfed in two days." 
And she's like, are you going crazy? And I was like, yeah, I'm losing my mind. I've been thinking, oh. I've been watching, I've been watching, you know, I've been watching it on TikTok. And there's <laughs> YouTube videos that do, are there YouTube videos that do that? Like show you how to think about there, your weight and stuff like that? There are. I try not to get too caught up in it and try to feel it myself okay. too. Because if I can't feel it, I can't communicate it. Maybe it'd not, be a good video then after you know that pathway. Like here, I, so I teach teenagers. Yeah. Teenagers don't give a shit about the stuff I'm teaching. And <laughs> truth is, this history, I don't right? Either. Huh? History? History, government, economics, yeah, um, civics, stuff like that. Like, but I don't care either. Like there are history teachers at my school that are like, they like do civil war reenactments and stuff. Like they're yeah. like history buffs. I'm not, I don't care about history. Civil war I care. I care about like helping these, these young people feel, find a life that's full of meaning and, and is, and is yeah. awesome. And, and so great. it's really just a, it's, it's just a, a, it's a, it's a vehicle. For yes. Them, yeah. yeah. So if I don't give a shit about the war of 1812, they definitely don't. So what <laughs> I have to do is I have to do exactly what you're doing, which is like pattern recognition. I have to find what is interesting about the war of 1812 for me. And then once I find that pathway, I just share that pathway with my class. Yeah. And that's it. That's how I teach everything that I do. And it works because I don't naturally, what, what happens is like a physics teacher or a history teacher goes to these 16 year olds. How do you not care about physics? It's like, cause I'm 16, man. I'm just trying to get my dick wet. Like I'm yeah. just trying to, like, I mean, you have to find a way, you have to have enough vehicle to, for them to communicate that. Like wh- yeah, why no- is physics important? And like yeah. some of the best teachers I ever had found a way to make things that were not, in, not, these are the college kids weren't particularly cared about, right? Like the best teacher I ever had was of my entire education was American literature after 1776. Okay. Thousand person class. Yeah. Okay. I cared so much about this class. I got it. He doesn't give one hundreds. I got a 99 on my midterm or my final and it was written. Yeah. Why? Why did you like I, it so much? Because poetry analytics is pattern recognition okay. <laughs> and archetypal symmetry. So just, right. Yeah. So like a peach isn't a peach. This yeah. isn't a flower's not a flower. A road's not a road. Right. Two, ro- two roads diverge in the yellow woods so I can not travel both. Like that's, you may think, oh, he's taking the road less traveled by, but he's not. If you look at it, what's actually happening is that he will tell the story down the road that he took the road less traveled by, not that he actually did because that's how he wants to remember it. <laughs> wow, I'd have to go back and read it. I mean, you get, look at it. He, yeah. says, he says, you can't tell which one is more traveled, mm. but he's taking the road less traveled because that's the story he wants to tell himself. Yeah. It's really cool. So that just connected with you, the way it. your brain works. Dude, I was sitting in yeah. a room with 20 frat and sorority people tutoring them on how to analyze poetry as a fucking meathead. Yeah. It was so weird. But this guy so could make it, though. he could make it so intriguing and so fun. And it was these like, and if you read it the first time through, you think this is dry, right? But he would communicate it in a way. He, yeah. wore, he wore a denim uh, vest that said poetry on the back. He was amazing. <laughs> He was like, it was just, it was insane. It was, I just, I, I was so enamored by this guy and it kind of wanted to like be more like him in the way that he could communicate things. And it was just something that was, it was special, but he, he found a vehicle to communicate to a thousand person class. Right. Right. And had people engaged, you know, not everybody, some people just didn't give a shit because right. they don't give a shit about anything. But right. it was like, I would talk to the people in the class and it was like, wow, that was like really interesting. And it was, it, was, it surprised people because it was a required English credit, yeah. right, or literature yeah. credit, or whatever it was, you know. So that that that, that was that really did inspire me just to like, what can you can make something like this, or even Kelly Starrett, for example. He made stretching cool. Mm-hmm. How do you make stretching cool, right? You yeah, find a way right. to communicate to people that actually care in a way that resonates. And this idea of resonance to me is so important as well. It's like, can you understand and empathize with somebody so much that you can resonate with them even when you're disagreeing with them? Yeah, you know, there's something yeah. cra- crazy about that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, real world application, especially for young people. You know, they're not thinking down the road too much. They're just, how is this going to help me? And I, and I tell my students, like, you got to ask your teachers, why am I learning this today? How is it going to help me today and tomorrow and 10 years from now? Yeah. And the, my colleagues get really anno- annoyed and pissed off with me. Like, why are you telling these kids that? It's like, 
what are you talking about? <laughs> like, do you ever learn something that you don't want to learn? You don't go on YouTube and learn how to retile a bathroom unless you want to retile your bathroom. Yeah. So how can you expect these kids to just all of a sudden care about poetry or something unless you connect it with them about how to be more articulate, how to communicate your ideas, whatever it might be. Math could be problem solving. Why is my air conditioner not working? I don't know, but that's a problem. This stupid math nonsense is also a problem. So there's a formula. You kind of follow it. And it's just not done that way. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. It is strange. But then, but then you have someone like, and I wanted to get to Jordan Peterson with you anyway, so I think there's yeah, yeah. a lot to discussion yeah. to have around this man. He did an amazing job of that. That's what, that's what actually, mm-hmm. I, people would bring up this guy, Eric Gotze. Uh, he does a podcast. Um, it was, uh, I don't forget what it's called, but he's, 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 a, he's a Jungian guy. He loves yeah. Jung. Yeah. And he's like, on his Instagram, it'll say like how much, how far he's through, like in a percentage, like 68% through the complete uh, Jung of works. And I'm like, that's a lot of read. I mean, yeah. he's committed. You know, it's really cool. Very interesting guy. Um, so we were, he's one, he kept trying to tell me, he's like, hey man, you need to check out Jordan Peterson. You need to check out Jordan Peterson. When was this? Like 2018, uh, 17? 17 it? maybe. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. But all I knew about him was him talking about pronouns. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have a fuck to give right. about pronouns. dude. Right. I don't care. But then I saw a lecture. I think he was talking about Aladdin and Lion King. And I was, and I was like, symbolism. He's this exact, that's meaning. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 The whole thing. And it was it was fascinating to me because I'm like, wow, that's really cool. But then it's like, why do I like Aladdin better than I like Lion King? And I started to understand. I'm like, why? And I'm like, well, because Aladdin was a poor street rat who stole food, then shared it with two other poor children, right? Yeah. Even though Abu didn't want him to, who then got lucky and did, had imposter syndrome and then lied about all these things I could relate to, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the end of the story, you know, it's, it's, and there's a lot of plot holes in Aladdin, and you could say, well, he could have done the other wish, and they could have wished for like to end world hunger and all these other things. But like, you know, uh, Jasmine could have then set the genie free. Doesn't matter though. Um, so, and then you look at, uh, uh, to me, you have The Lion King, which is about a narcissistic fuckhead, Simba, who gets humbled. Yeah. Different story. Right, yeah. still a great story, but like one of them is going to resonate with you, and one of them's not, and it's like the whole symmetry of the archetypes of these things is really, really interesting, right? Yeah. So when I got into that, I was like, Eric, you, I was totally wrong. I was totally wrong because he could find a way to do that. But I feel like now, right, and we, and we talked about this last night, this whole Sports Illustrated thing where he like called that woman not beautiful. I don't know who she is. I don't look at Sports Illustrated. I didn't give a shit about Sports Illustrated. It doesn't it doesn't move the needle for me in the in the slightest. But this like plus size model who's very attractive, you yeah. know. Looks like a lot of women in the United States, right? Yeah. You know, if you want, if you, I mean, most women in the United States don't look like Heidi Klum. You know, my wife is beautiful, right? But she's got bigger hips than Heidi Klum does. Mm-hmm. She's six foot one. She's the height of a model, but like it, she's fit. She, mm-hmm. taking, she takes care of herself. Yeah. She doesn't have unrealistic proportions. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like you, by insulting this woman and saying she's not beautiful, and you've now said tens of millions of people aren't beautiful. Right, and it's like, what do you have to gain from this? Are you addicted to the controversy? What the fuck are you thinking? Do you not have better things to do with your? I have better things to do with my time, and I'm not Jordan fucking Peterson. I know, you know, like I I, go go for a walk. That's more productive than what you're doing. And he's he's picked this hill to die on. I mean, I'm bringing it up on uh, on politically homeless. I'm gonna have he had a conversation with Michaela about it, defending himself. I know, and he's like, why you guys hate me so much? I'm like, because you did something stupid. And it's me, you, and five other people who respect this guy sitting around a table yeah, being like, that I was mean, the dumbest shit I've ever seen. This is the guy life. who the respect is even putting it lightly. Like he was, he's been an influence on us in a, in a lot of ways. Dude, we really admire him in a lot of ways for for things yeah. that he's done. That guy changed my dad's life to. while he was in prison, mm. right? Yeah, like yeah, helped yeah. him put a structure to his life that helped him try to regain the years he spent in prison back with his family 
outside. Yeah. I have a, a deep reverence for Jordan Peterson yeah. and what he's been able to do. I was able to connect with my mom and like we've been missing yes. each other over his latest book, the the um you know twelve more rules. Yeah, twelve more rules. Like I was able to connect with her at a coffee shop. We talked for like three hours in a way we haven't done in like a decade. It exactly. Was, so it's there's yeah. that, and it's yeah. like, and even with that, I'm so critical of that moronic statement. Yeah, one hundred percent. So it's like, especially because beautiful is something that's very subjective. And we were talking about in the car, like there's someone for everybody. You know, yeah. you can see someone, that person's disgusting and someone else has just, you know, hearts in their eyes. But I, I think it's you, when you're in these culture wars and we're on a periphery, um, I think that you, you just, you, you, you lose it. You just, you have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. Yeah. And my lines are going to be different than yours. And, and, and Jordan Peterson is going to be different than Ben Shapiro's or whatever. But you draw these lines, whether it's about pronouns or whatever it is, here's the line. I'm not going past. And he drew a line there. That's just that just is not my line. It doesn't seem to be a lot of people's lines. Yeah. And I think a lot of other, a lot of people thought that his lines were reasonable here. So when he picks an unreasonable line, they feel like duped almost. Yeah. But of course he's going to be off sometimes. Yeah. Like I think that even these people like Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, whoever, they hold them up in such high regard mm-hmm. that they say like, he is the guy. He figured it out. He yeah. has all the he, answers. He speaks nothing but truth. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think it's actually really good to humble the, the kind of the sick of fans of the JP and stuff like that to step in it a little bit. Or, you know, I mean the controversy around Rogan, I guess is a, is a, is a kind of similar thing. Cause he's screwed up too. Um, but like, yeah, these people are, they they make mistakes. They're human. Yeah. And, you know, they're smart in like a very niche area maybe or something like that, but they're gonna screw up and you just go like, all right, well maybe I shouldn't trust every single word this person says. <laughs> and I think a lot of people do. So well, the thing is like, and very rarely do I ever say like that person needs to apologize for that. Mm. Jordan Peterson, you need to apologize for that. That was completely inappropriate and unfair and just mean. Yeah. It was, and it wasn't mean at somebody who was being mean to you. Nobody said you need to make a fucking comment about this. You invited this shit on yourself and then you played the victim and it was, it was petty and childish. And I feel weird saying that about Jordan. I really do. But it, it, it's, it's frustrating. You it know? was off. And I think again, going back to like what Glenn Lowry said, I think for, for Jordan to go like, you know what? I was, I was off on that one. You know, I, I just yeah. had some blind spots like that would go so much further. Cause then his people that are looking at him as like the end, I'll be able to go, Oh, maybe I can admit when I'm wrong a little bit. I think there's a, I just always look for the learning opportunity in your fuck ups. Exactly. I mean, and you've read the comment thread. Did you go through the comment thread on that? On um, Twitter? A little bit. Yeah. It was I brutal. looked at a few of, I, I was brutal. watching Kyle Kalinske read some off. And when somebody said, uh, that doesn't mean much coming from somebody who looks like an aging Woody from Toy Story. Yeah, people, <laughs> people are just brutal back, but that's yeah, the stuff that's just like. like yeah, but it was like, but it was like you. But again, yeah, no, he you invited. It, like, sure, why, why do you hate me so much? What? Yeah, and then he said, "I'm leaving Twitter," and then he would never left Twitter. I know. It was like, dude, are you okay? Twitter's uh, not like we were just saying. Social media is good for certain things. For some people, it's not. I I never got that in Twitter. I, I use it for like going to find stuff to read or just seeing what's right. trending, especially if I need something for the show. I'm like, yeah, what are people talking about? But it's just not for. I, I I tweet and then I take screenshots and put them on Instagram. Like it's not yeah, for yeah. me, but. I think a lot of these people, the Weinsteins, it's like you. It's like almost like they've reached a point where they're starting to unravel a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like I think you're, I think you're kind of losing it. Yeah. Um, and it's not good. And and we were speaking about this. Somebody I'm not going to name any names, but I was talking about how there was a prediction in 2017 that he was yeah. he wasn't going to be able to handle it. He was going right. to there was going to be a that very public implosion. And I was like, maybe. You know, I don't. I can't say that for sure. It's a that's a bold prediction, but it's like, is that coming? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it seems like after that, it was like. You know, and I, and honestly, I've actually become more critical of Jordan, and I never agree with him on everything, obviously, but like he's now entrenched himself in the right wing echo chambers. His ideas on politics are kind of fucking stupid. They don't make any. It's like it's like so you're just like you're just languaging what Ben Shapiro told you while you were at dinner differently than he is, and that's all. That's all I saw. It's like you don't, and that maybe that's. 
but I don't feel like that's like the left's fault that he's now become like he's become what they said that he was already. He wasn't that before, but now he's kind of become what they said he was. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a weird way. I wonder if people in these culture wars are so concerned about that they look at him as like their fearless leader and like, okay, so you got to really guide us through this. And he feels like oh, the weight on his shoulders of like, I got to steer society from going off of some sort of cliff. Like, that's not your job, bro. Yeah. No, you're a college professor. And like, I don't mean disrespect because I, I, again, I like him. Like, but all these guys, like it's not, or Rogan's another one. Like, oh, he's our, he's our thing. Some people, it's Tucker Carlson. Like, they're like, no, 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 no. Tucker. They love no, Tucker. It's, they do. It's like, no, <laughs> they're just, they're doing their thing. I think actually Rogan handles it pretty well. Cause he's just like, don't listen to me. Like whatever. I'm just here. And he, he doesn't take it too seriously. I mm. think at least he puts it off like that. But I think, I think Jordan feels like he has this responsibility to, to save society. You're not, you can't. No, you can't. I mean, you can be, you can be a beacon for change. Sure. You Along can, you can change others, the people yeah. that you influence. You're not going to reach the people on the left. You're not changing. Any, yeah. At this point, Jordan, you're not changing anybody's mind about you. I know. It's not happening. It's in some so you need to settle for that. Right. Like, and that's, that's important for anybody. It's like, sometimes you're just not going to change somebody's mind about yeah. you. Like I, I used to argue with people on, on Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, why? And I, I literally would be like, I don't want to argue with someone who is ideologically entrenched that's i i, I should have that copy and paste it in my notes right it's like yeah. i'll just say that and then they keep going i'll just nothing i'll block them whatever yeah. leave the comment whatever yeah. like it's like i'm just not it's like I, I but i used to be like i need to prove this to myself that i and it's like how can you with four million twitter followers and all this influence and being an author and being like cherished by so many people fall into the same traps as someone like me yeah you know and, yeah but they do and it's like you, who what what is happening and sometimes it's funny like Greenwald does that a lot on Twitter. He's like kind of addicted to it too, but he's like, it's more funny because he does own people with facts. Cause he, yeah. he lives his life and like, well, Bill, you know, George W. Bush did this or Nicole Wallace did that. It's funny, but it's like, and he uses it for his content. I think it does bitter him a little bit, but it's kind of on brand for him. Whereas Jordan, it's like, man, we need you to be compassionate. We yes. need, we need yeah, you yeah, yeah, to be yeah. understanding Agreed. of things that you maybe not agree Agreed. with. And, you know, when we get into the toxic of a religion and things like that, we, I like the way he approaches Christianity. I don't have yeah. a problem. And he feels conflicted about it, which I feel like it's kind of a healthy way to approach Christianity. It's kind of yeah, a, through, yeah. a, through a conflicted yeah. lens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that idea I think is, is spot on. Like you, we need certain people to take certain roles in this whole culture war. And he is not good at being vicious or cruel or mean. I don't think it's even in his personality. I think, you know, uh, I tell my wife this because she's a very soft-hearted person. But then when she, like, wants to be mad at someone or mean to someone, <laughs> I'm like, you're t- fucking terrible at being mean. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't do it. Like, you just, like, I'm, like, not a great – I'm not good at lying. So I'm a very honest person because I just, like, know what my flaws are. So I'm just yeah. going to be very honest. Like, know what you're good at, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think that, Jordan, I agree with you. That's a great way to put it. We need you to be the more compassionate side of, of this. You're a, you're a clinical the, psychologist, well, that's, man. That's the responsibility of somebody with that big of an audience. It's that big of an influence. It's like we we need as fans, I guess, or, mm. or supporters, or just people that are charitable to him. It's like we need you to be the change, yeah, right. Like we need you to leave. Like don't add gasoline to this culture. D- and don't saying hateful shit on the internet yeah. means that now you've you've normalized all of your people to be hateful assholes. And I have zero respect for that. Anybody who does 100%. it, whether it's Charlie Kirk or some crazy lefty or you know or Vosh. Like these yeah. are the people who just are hateful or uh Jink Uger's a good one. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Seriously. Well that's why it's so good if you, for us if you, to call out Jordan Peterson, I think. Exactly. For this because, reason. And it's like if I want if you want if you want to be in the camp with those assholes, be my guest. Yeah. But I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. I, there's cause there's other really powerful, influential people that are actually acting in a principled way that I can go follow. Yep. That are great authors. Yep. That are trying to do the right thing. 
And if you if you want to be a petty little child, then be my guest. But I have one, I want nothing to do with it. No, I'm with you. Surprisingly, it's crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we did want. I did want to get this like a, this Christianity yeah, conversation. Yes. People people notice yeah. that we have different beliefs. Right. And it was funny because we were sitting outside the hotel and you were like, yeah, I think we would disagree on some things. Come to find out, we really don't. I know. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, even when we first, I think it was the first day we started hanging out and then I was like, we, let's just get into religion right now. And then I was like, damn it, yeah, we kind of agree. <laughs> so, but, but I think it's, I think it, cause it's valuable because of our approaches. Um, I think that it's just valuable to like, just to find the nuance. But like when you are reasonable, you might disagree on like certain elements of the branches or where you, you draw mm-hmm. your line here and I draw my line here, but we both again agree on the problems and stuff like that. So yeah, I think um religion's something that's very interesting. I'm I'm in a in a very like kind of inverse way from maybe the way you grew up. And uh and I've kind of been developing this more and more and more. More on the down, I don't talk about it much, mm-hmm. but I, I want to start talking about it much because I think my approach is is an interesting one. I, I actually am interested in running it by you more. Yeah. Because I, I'm truly interested in your take and criticisms on the way that I'm thinking through this. Yeah. Like I'm actually very I'm gonna value the way that you disagree with me on this. Cause I'm tr- um I I I wanna uh I wanna question it. Like religion is not one of those things for me. My, my faith is not one of those things that I feel is fragile at all. So mm-hmm. I will hit it with a hammer and over it because I believe I have faith that it will, it'll hold up. So I'm, I'm just, I'm willing to test. And I think a lot of Christians are like, don't test my Christianity. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. If you, then how much faith do you really have? Yeah. If you can't test it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and well, I don't want to get into that. I think yeah. it'd be really interesting. This episode of Thought Criminals is brought to you by me. And the Politically Homeless Patreon. If you like this conversation, you're digging where we're going, and you want conversations like this without interruptions like this one, and early before everybody else gets a chance to get their ears on them, well, you need to join the Politically Homeless Patreon. We get bonus episodes every week crowdsourced from the community. The community asks questions. I dive in, share perspectives, share thoughts. The community chimes back in. It's just a beautiful circular experience that everybody should be a part of. If you're here, if you're this far into this episode and you're like, man, this actually sounds like a good idea. Pull the fucking trigger. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. You'll also get episodes of politically homeless ad free and you get more influence on what we do, how we do it and why we do it. Check it out guys. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. You can find the link in the show notes of this show. And now let's get back to will. I I really resonate with Buddhism. I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist, mm-hmm. but I do like. I mean, you have the Shaka Buddha right here behind yeah. you. Um, that's one of our one of my uh, one of fans. Rob, uh, Rob painted yeah, that for guy. me. Uh, love that guy. But um, we look at it. It's like one thing that the Buddha said, allegedly, mm. maybe because it doesn't matter if it's real or not. But this is the story, right? Uh-huh. Um, was that Buddhism was not a fixed practice. It would evolve as the practitioners change and grow, and as time changes. And I thought that was very eloquent and very forward thinking. It's like this, the world will change. The world has changed. The world will continue to change. And this, that's why it's not a religion. It's a belief system, right? This structure, this practice will change as the world changes. And I feel like that's the, one of the biggest separators between Buddhism, which again, not a religion, mm-hmm. and Christianity is that Christianity is so reluctant to evolve because of the, you know, the doctrine of the dogma or, or how people interpret it. And it's so interesting to me that, that I can read the Bhagavad Gita or, or, or Buddhist teachings and these fables, and I don't give one absolute fuck if they are true or not. Right. 
but it's like, what do I take away from it? What do I apply to my own life? That's what matters. And that's what the, that's what the, that's what Buddhism means to me in a way, you know, and then there's, you know, there's an encouragement to practice. It holds up psychologically, which I really appreciate. Taoism does as well. Um, so when we look at it and then I look at, at what turned me off about Christianity, so much of it was like this strict adherence to dogma. Yeah, that's that Sam Harris talks about that a lot. Yeah. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam Harris helped me a ton because he's like spirituality and religion do not necessarily mm-hmm. are, the, are not necessarily the same thing, right? You can be a very unspiritual Christian. You can be a very spiritual atheist really yeah. in yeah. certain ways or, yeah. or, or at least agnostic. So yeah, that's kind of like my framework on just like the surface okay. level of this thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was with you for, for on that. And then a friend of mine who was a fellow teacher named Jim Dobkowski, he's a devoted, a devoted uh, Catholic. And I was like, so what is this evolution? But he's also a, an environmental scientist and he's a science teacher. Mm-hmm. He teaches evolution. I was like, so what's going on here? And he sent me all of this stuff about the Catholic church and everything, um, about how they were resistant to evolution all over and over and over again to try and look, I don't know how much of this is nonsense or true, <laughs> yeah. but it, if it is true, if true, um, it makes a lot of sense is like, we're not going to just blindly accept this. We're going to scrutinize it. We're going to mm-hmm. work it out the way that, you know, more like conservatives do. They're the filters. So progressive push all of these ideas. Some were wacky, some were not, you know, civil rights movement. There's like Stokely Carmichael. You're like, no, that's crazy. Martin Luther King. Okay. You can get in the club, they're like a doorman <laughs> at the club. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no. Yes. Okay. They, they're like the filter for the bad ideas. And the Catholic church, the way he put it to me was like, they were just filters. Let me, I'm not just going to blindly accept evolution. I got to scrutinize it. And mm-hmm. now he's a devoted Catholic that believes in evolution. And he's like, because it just took a while for us to kind of sort it out. So we don't just blindly adopt the newest fad. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know if that's the way it really played out, but again, the, the, if that's the narrative, mm-hmm. I, that makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think that, that even like evolution is discounts like the mystical. Like it's kind of amazing in its own yes. way. And like, and even the evolution, like aside, like, human consciousness or just consciousness in general is kind of fascinating, yeah. right? And I think that sometimes Christianity doesn't allow you to explore. It's like, it explains it all the way. But it's like, what about yeah. curiosity and like, what makes us us? You know what, man, yeah. what drives you? And then the, the shame component, of course, is, is something that that's I, a whole, yeah, that's, that's a whole, whole other thing, but we can, maybe we can get there. But, you know, I want to be yeah. like, if you were to be critical of Christianity, mm-hmm. like what would you, what would your criticisms be? And then how have you kind of adjusted to those? So, yeah, I mean, and I don't, I'm just new into this world being public with it. So I think there's going to be a lot of Christians that come after me because even when in private conversations, it's like, no, that's not the way you do it. Okay. It's not the way I, okay. All right. So, uh, I think it's that, that's the thing is like, there's one way to do it. You have to follow it this way. This is what the text says. You follow it this Mm -hmm. way. It's like, um, John Haidt actually has a great quote from his book. It's that the human brain is a story processor, not a logic processor. So there was, and I explained this to you before, but here's the kind of the way I'm thinking about it is we're in this computer simulation, whatever it is, this is reality. And God, whatever, the creator, the architect of this reality, wants to give us a guidebook for how to do this properly. Mm Because who knows anything? So if you're going to make a guidebook for how to do this properly, you have to sell it in a way that people can understand. If the human brain is a story processor, not a data processor, then you have to sell it through stories. Jonah and the fish, Noah's Ark, Adam and Eve. And it's not factually true. It's a story, but the story is telling something deeply true about how to get through this properly. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I explain it in my class is like Adam and Eve. Like, was that, you know, Adam and then all of a sudden ripped a, a rib out? <laughs> I don't think so. And I don't think that makes me, le- I don't think that makes a story less valuable. Yeah. But I think of it as like there was some sort of primate, you know, whatever, you know, caveman, early primate thing that all of a sudden 
whether it was through psilocybin or something like that, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden had consciousness. Yeah. You know, it's like the, 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 the apple or whatever from the tree of wisdom and then goes, oh shit, I'm naked. What? Oh my God. Ah. Yeah. And that's what separates us from animals is that, that like self-awareness and whatever that chimp was, let's just call him Adam. Yeah. And then that is how, and that is actually fairly aligned with the, the, the idea of the story. Yeah. It's just catered to adopt what we know. You always update your software mm-hmm. to to you know, bring it in, bring in the science to how does this fit into the story? And so I'm always trying to take these stories. I go, there's something true to this, even if it's nonsense. But then, how does the science fit in? And I don't know if it's the right way to do it, but it, it's 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 working. And we can get to like how why I'm I'm going there. But that's well, I mean, approach, yeah. one thing that I really I took away from this weekend at the Heterodox uh, Academy conference yeah. was like sometimes more information comes at the cost of the narrative or the structure mm-hmm. or the story, yeah. right? Actually, stories are good with you have to kind of fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Christians kind of mess up is to try and like add more things to make the story more credible, but they just kind of under like kneecap themselves with it. Okay. Yeah, explain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just saying, explain it away is like, yeah. uh, you know, how like maybe trying to over explain why two of each animal on Noah's Ark could have, mm-hmm. could have gone about, you know, repopulating all the animals on the planet. Like, as opposed to just saying like, well, no, they didn't do two of them. Yeah. It's like, it's, okay. being like yeah, yeah. it's a story, you know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a fable. And, and knowing that like Jesus, in my opinion, was a great metaphorical teacher, yeah. right? The Buddha was as well. I think they're both, I think the Buddha is probably better, but like Jesus had a great knack for that. It seemed like yeah. from the new Testament. And you think that 2000 years later, right? We already struggle over, over interpretations of the constitution, which is 10 times younger. Yeah. Right. Ah. So you think 2000 year old stories that didn't, aren't really exclusive to Christianity. And because of them were kind of written like several, maybe hundreds of years after right. the fact, yeah. right. You're going to tell me, you can tell the difference between a metaphor and literal reality from yeah. 2000 years ago. Yeah. We can't even decide what the second amendment means. Right. <laughs> Spot on. So it's yeah. like, it's always like, Maybe just that. Maybe that's not the hill to die on, Christians. Yeah, and you know, who, who are you to know what God actually meant? If you believe in, if you believe in God, like who are you? Like I know what God actually means. Like I don't know, man. I wouldn't want to have a God that I understood. You yeah. know, like I don't like I, it's it's too advanced. Like this, there's so much we don't yeah. know about the human brain, about the universe, about never seen an electron. Like I don't like this is <laughs> this is complex stuff. It's like trying to explain Wi-Fi to your dog. It's like yeah. I can't compute this. It's like trying to explain Wi-Fi to your dog. If your dogs are like 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 Theo was like, hey, let me tell you about about how this internet thing works. It's like yeah. you're gonna be off. You're exactly, and that's like that's part of the beauty. Like if you could comprehend the the meaning of life or like all of reality, you'd be overloaded. We're not. We don't have the, we have don't have the level of consciousness yeah. to be able to do that. Like it's, that's one thing that's fun about psychedelics. You is get like, a taste of it. You get a taste of like, wow, this is. I, my, my take a big takeaway from all my psychedelics. Like I said, there's one takeaway is like I have very little understanding yeah. of what's going on, and I'm actually very comfortable with that. I'm very yeah. comfortable with the fact that when I die, I'll probably be surprised. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's that's, that's that's something that uh, I think it's a joke. It was like, what is a a rabbi, a priest, and a, and a pastor all have in common? They're gonna, all going to be surprised when they die. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think that's that's the thing. A more atheist. Uh, I, I kind of think of atheists. I'm going to tell, tell you that. Like, I, I think of atheists in two different camps. Some that are like okay with not knowing yeah. and okay with having those mysteries. Then some that want answers. And d- the ones d- that, dog, dogmatic atheists. Yeah, yeah, those those are the ones that turn to social justice or whatever it might be because they want these answers. And there's other ones, Peter Bogosian and stuff like that, that are just like, I'll never know, and it's okay. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> it's like it's like, but some people need that anchor and they it's, need it, something. Someone like me is really. It's really hard for a, a, a dogmatic Christian to argue with me because mm. I have very. I, I have zero. I don't have an agenda to explain to you why I'm comfortable with these things or why I'm why I'm why it's okay. I don't yeah. I don't need, but I also understand for someone like my mom, like her relationship with with Christianity and Jesus is good for her. And right. if she believes it, and that's the thing is, if she believes it and it helps her, 
then it's real to her. And mm-hmm. that's what really matters to me. Like yeah. she's not going to convince me, you know, it's not going to happen. She still thinks she can, which I'm kind of impressed by that. She's gone this long and still thinks she can, but it's like, it's not happening. Yeah. But I actually support that. You know, I call when I call her on Sunday, I'm like, Hey, did you go to church today? You know? Yeah, and it's I've gone to church with. I hate her pastor. I think he's a piece of shit. But like, she likes him. So whatever. And again, he doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love if he did. She knows he knows way too much about me too. So we have yeah. this like weird. Me and my mom yeah. used to fight a lot. Yeah, and he, she would talk that through with the pastor. So whenever he sees me, he like he brings a weird vibe. Yeah, like and he knows. Um, I had my grandmother's funeral was at that church, and my um eulogy at this funeral was very not Christian. Mm. And I have a lot of resentment for that guy because he turned my grandmother who wasn't necessarily religious. He turned her service into a opportunity for him to preach for an hour Mm. and not talk about my grandmother and her life. And I will, I I will never forgive that son of a bitch. Okay. Like it's very, it was very personal to me because he is like, you go talk to somebody who's in the end stages of ALS dying and offer them some kind of hope. And you think that that, 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 that's what that's, that's, that was what you wanted to do. Yeah. Whereas my takeaway, like I, one of the last times I spoke with her, maybe the, the last time I can't really remember, I had to sit down with her, not being the strongest woman I've ever known, as she's died, you know, she's near death, and tell her that we're all going to be okay, and try not to cry when I did it. Like I was, I mean, even I was telling Kelly the story that she never heard it, sitting on the bed, being like, "Hey, we're all going to be okay," and you know what, you're going to be okay too. Give her that comfort, yeah. Yeah, just like yeah. it's like whatever it is. I don't know what it is, and no one else does either. But you're going to be okay, and we're going to be okay, and we're going to miss the fuck out of you. But we're going to be okay. And then I, I didn't even make it to the door of the bedroom leaving before I was like silently crying, and then got into the driveway, which is like because she meant the world to me. She yeah. she took me in at five years old after already getting all of her kids out of the house and raised me and my brothers until we until I graduated high school. Like it was wow. it was my mom, you know, yeah. and it was weird because I had this weird relationship with my mom. Was kind of like my aunt. My aunts were kind of like my sisters. Okay, and I was the oldest. It was like this yeah. weird family yeah. dynamic. But it's like, just and just would do anything for anybody, you know. And it's like this guy is exploiting the death of my grandmother to make a point about his fucking belief system. Mm-hmm. Like you, self righteous, entitled piece of shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? So yeah, so that's so that's that's the 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 thing about Christianity that's interesting. So let's um. That I think is like what turns people off line. It gets me really frustrated. I think it should get. I was people... sh- I was shaking in the in the church, dude. It was. Well, I think <laughs> I wish same... you could have been there to calm well, down. <laughs> well, I think it's the thing. Same thing with like why I'm calling out the left is now. I mean, this is new for me. I mean, it's like a couple years old, and it's actually after reading a lot of atheist books and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. But like, take like the Jesus story. So, just like the whole story of him being like a good person. The principal idea is always love, love, yeah. love, love. Prostitutes gamblers, thieves, whatever. Yeah. Come on. You're, you know, we, I'm going to try and steer you off in a better direction, but if not, it doesn't matter. I love you through it. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. And then this person who, as far as we know, according to the story is, uh, you know, sinless and does only good is betrayed by his best friend and all of his people. <laughs> it's fucking brutal. And yeah. then everyone knows he's innocent and he's killed. Uh, a murderer is let off so that he can be killed and strung up in the most painful mm-hmm. way possible. That's why the Romans de- designed it that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just this horrible story. And the story then is that God comes down to kind of, you know, see that people are wrong headed according to, you know, like the, the, the old Testament or what they're using the church for. So I'm going to go down and be this role model for how you should do it. So it's God in human, but also as a, as a, as a, as a son. Yeah. And, you know, I'm excited for you to come into this world, but I have three kids. And, uh, yeah. and when you disrupt that, that natural that order, I can't think of anything worse yeah. than losing oh, my kids. So absolutely. when that happens, when that happens, you go, 
God doesn't understand is the story. The story, I keep going to the story, I'm not sure what I'm talk about, but like the story is, well, I do know what it's like. Not only do I know what it's like to be tortured and go through that physical pain yeah. and betrayal, I know what that's like, and I know what it's like to watch it happen to my kid. So it gives you that, like, God understands me. And when and, I keep saying it finishes story, up with, forgive them for they don't know, know what they yeah. do. Right, yeah, which is like that's, a, that's a beautiful ultimate. story. So, right, and I, I say story, and you say story, and the reason is because going back to what we were saying before is I don't, I really, this is where I think Christians get mad at me. I don't care if it's factually true or not. Yeah, I don't know, and we'll never know. So it's like those things that are just mysteries. I don't know what happened at those time two thousand years ago, but I don't care because once I believe this story, believe it. Okay, so like belief is like one of those things that um that like Jordan Peterson talks about and stuff. So I guess the way I I think about belief, and I'm really curious on your thoughts. On this. Yeah. So let me just rant a little bit yeah. and give you me your could, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I would I would love to hear it. Um, like I believe that this roof is not going to cave in on me. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who who designed. It. I don't know who the civil engineers are or whatever. But I be, I have so belief is like I I will bet my life on it to some degree. If this roof caved in on us, that would one thousand percent be God. <laughs> I will be a believer. It'd be bad. You know, or, you know, a tree could fall over. Who knows? Whatever the fuck could happen. But I have faith. I have faith in the civil engineers. Yeah. So I can have faith in, and even though I never met them or whatever, I have faith in this. And the more that I've leaned into that, having as much faith in this, this story, this very controversial story, this popular mm-hmm. story, as I have faith that when my green light comes up, the, the person in the control center doesn't make a green light for them too. Yeah. I should have more faith in this. It's helped me to make sense of the world. It's helped me when I'm alone in a dark alley. It's helped mm-hmm. me about my kid's birthday. It's just helped me. I'm not trying to like push it on anybody else, yeah. but I do. It's strange how it's made my life better. I did not expect that at yeah. all, at all. It's getting in my late thirties. Uh, and it's, it's helping me. And I, I guess the question I have first is like, if people followed actually Jesus's model, like actually the way that he lived of loving everybody and whatnot, in theory, would that mean that the world would be a better place in theory? Or is it, is it too the, out there too? If we're just talking like Jesus model kind of circumvent the old Testament, right? Yeah. Cause that's where things get tricky, like fire tornadoes and because people didn't believe a certain right, thing right, right. and killing people's children because the Pharaoh did. So let's say, yeah, let's like, say the old Testament is all just fable. Yeah. 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 Fable and a guide. And then he is this thing telling you, okay, if you live like me and you're never going to hit it. So you know, you have yeah. targets out here, you know, that's where sin comes from, right? Missing yeah. the mark. But yeah. if you're aiming to be as close to that as possible, which you're that yeah. pastor didn't most Christians don't, Charlie right. Kirk is a Christian. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, yeah. no, no, you're not, you're, that's not Jesus. Like it's love. Everybody, those people to what Jordan Pearson's comment, that was not Christian. Yeah. So if people did, wouldn't we be better off? And that's the closest I can get to being so, an evangelical, even though I'm not pushing it, but I just, I think like maybe we would be better off if people adopted something like this. So I think about. this is going to get a little bit metaphysical here. Please. I think that there's a, there's a Christ consciousness. I don't think about Christ as an individual. Um, I, I think there's something about that, and I think that's been, been embodied by numerous people, right? I okay. think you can talk about that, whether it's manifest in Buddha or Taoism, or you know what I mean? Like, so it's, but it's just easier to grab onto, like Uncle Sam. It's easier to grab onto. As it depends, figure. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that doesn't that. And that's not to say that Jesus didn't actually walk the earth. I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, I don't know. The Buddha. Buddha could have been twenty five different people. I don't right. know. I wasn't there. Right. Uh, it was two thousand years before Jesus, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like maybe every two thousand years something goes down. Yeah. You know. Um. Maybe it's Joel Osteen this time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to that money they found? That just kind of disappeared. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. In the, in the walls. <laughs> yeah. They just found fifty grand in the walls after fifty grand was stolen. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think that the the the, the this is where I get weird when people like other different religions like don't like the other religion. I'm like, yeah. listen, it's a matter of resonance. We talked about this a little mm-hmm, bit. It's like mm-hmm. Buddhism resonates with me right. because of this this principle of detail. It resonates. I read it and I go, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I can read the New Testament and I'm like, okay, interesting yeah. story, and I can analyze it. Like, I, but I, it doesn't it doesn't like I don't have that vibration where it like really gets me. So it's like I like the fact that like Christ consciousness, if you want to call it that, yeah. has been manifest in many different teachers that are going to resonate with many different people, mm-hmm. right? So you yeah. have. Whether it's Taoism or Buddhism or even Islam in some sort of way, um, I know Sam Harris would probably disagree with that, but mm-hmm. things become progressive. Like I think yeah. Islam is probably just like a thousand years behind Christianity as far as how it's advanced because, and there's elements er- of that. Early that Christianity, yeah. six hundred years ago, was like pretty brutal, right? Yeah. Like you got re- like there was a lot of murder in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. Um, which again, the, the concept it's, is. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it is what it is, right? And even Buddhists have, have murdered uh, Islamic people. And, and that's like the only time that you've ever seen a Buddhist do that. Like a lot of Buddhists like don't step on bugs. You know what I mean? I know, so it's like there's been a time. The human there's, yeah. You know, there's been a time. Humans are humans. So um, I think that the, the beauty of it is that it does manifest itself in different ways that are going to resonate with different people. And there's not that, – that's not a, it's not a zero-sum game. Really, it kind of is because you have one population. But really, if, if you find the one that resonates with you – and maybe you don't need any of them. Maybe it's nature. Right. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you feel Christ in nature. Mm-hmm. Maybe you feel freedom. Or I think some of it is just making yourself feel small. Like nothing will make you feel smaller for me. Right. Maybe some people, surfers are like this with the ocean. Yeah. It's a respect. Yeah. I'm like that with the mountains. Mm-hmm. I hike up them at 12,000 feet. I pop out of the trees and all of a sudden it's just open. And it's like I hiked up four thousand feet in seven miles, and here I am, and I'm exhausted, and I'm drinking water, and I just look out, and I'm like, I am so this mountain doesn't give a shit about me. Yeah, like it's just yeah, it's that so into aspect of it. There's really something important. about that. I think people yeah. find that in different places, but it's like the encouragement, in my opinion, should be to find that for yourself and be more curious. That's why when Christians have never entertained the idea of other belief systems and and and, and tried mm-hmm. to understand them, at least maybe practice it for a week or a month, whatever, just to see. Um, then it's hard for me to really have think that your faith is that resilient. You know who's really good at this is Tulsi Gabbard. Really? I've never heard her talk about her faith. She was raised going to like Christian church and Hindu and like all this different things. Yeah. And she said something that resonates with me the same way that we are with politics is I don't see conflict. I don't see a yeah. problem with, with saying I like this conservative idea and this progressive idea. I don't see a problem with that even within religion. No. I think that God shows his way I, yeah, I do believe in, in some sort of architect. I, I just, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to get wrap around that this is all just a mistake. And if it is, I just don't, don't want to believe it. I don't think it's a mistake. <laughs> a mistake is kind of a bold assertion. Yeah, just like, well, it's just like, you know, <laughs> just atoms or, came together. Yeah. Like, I just, and there has to be some sort when of When you think about the concept of infinity, it kind of like, it does make sense. But at the same time, it's like, is that true? I don't know. Wasn't, I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't there. It's not, a conf- yeah, it's not a conflict for me, though. None of this is a conflict for me. Like, I don't. Yeah, like, exactly. There's just, you have to, you have to try and give a guidebook for how to get through this. So we have these different guidebooks. And what do the guidebooks all have in common? Okay, that, that's something really good to look at. And then this, this guidebook works for me. That one works for you. And like, as long, and then we can disagree about like how in this specific situation, how we might handle it. But though these these tenets of like peace and love and blah blah blah, blah I think it's just like we're gonna miss it, we're gonna fuck up. But if yeah. you're aiming for that, and then when you when you are an asshole to somebody, you have a little bit of guilt. Yeah. You know the the Christian guilt thing. I'm glad. Like I think that that's it's it's just it's wielded like a weapon. Shame isn't is an important part of life, and like healthy making good shame decisions. is important. It's really yes. important when you act like an asshole. It's your behavior, not who you are, but your mm-hmm. behavior. You should have some shame. Like wow, I was not acting. Jesus-like, Christ-like, I was not acting yeah. like a good person, whatever it is, 
ah, I want to try to be better. So you're always trying to be better. And whatever guidebook you use for that, I think is really valuable. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, think about shame, right? Shame. There's a healthy shame, right? There's, let's think about like uh, food. We'll just mm. make it something yeah. really easy. Yeah. There's a healthy hunger and healthy fullness, right? But yeah. there's also stuffing yourself and becoming obese. And there's also anorexia and bulimia, right? right? And shame is no difference. It's a natural human urge, to, a, a, a framework, a response to certain things. Being shameless isn't good yeah. in certain areas. And, and sometimes as an adult, you get to decide like, oh, maybe I feel shame in this area. And that's not really appropriate because that's not compromising the moral standard that I now live by, right? I meant that with uh, sex, for example. I was very ashamed of my own sexuality. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm a straight dude, but like yeah. just sex, I was ashamed. I mean, every, every boner I got, it was like, oh, my, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sinning here. Like my, 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 my uncontrollable. Some people went down, I went up. But yeah, it was like, you know, we would take hydroxycut when we were in, in high school and that would be like, all of us would be like in computer class, like, dude, I get, my dick is so hard. <laughs> it was so crazy, but... Yeah, it's like like there, I feel like that's inappropriate shame, right? And yeah. we see this manifest in a lot of different ways. Like there is a place for it, but the way, that's that's almost like there's a, there's like this baseline for it, and then there's like where do you want to allow shame to creep into your life, and what necessarily like where is that appropriate for you? Like for a lot of people, in the way that like my wife and I have kind of a non traditional relationship as far as like inviting other women in every now and then, it's like some people would think that's a shameful experience. I don't think it is, and I don't feel shame about right. it. So it's like, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. like do your thing. Well, right? you're not hurting anybody. I think shame when you're hurting people is a is a very different thing. Yeah, if you, you know, if than you, who you are. If you're not yeah. hurting anybody. Texting and driving and you run somebody over, you should be very ashamed of yourself. Yes. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Because yeah. like, that's yeah. not a, that's not, that's but not then a controversial even when statement. you hurt somebody, when if, if, if you're trying to cast shame on somebody, you still do it with love and kindness. Like, yeah. I just, it's, it's, it's also more effective yeah. if you're going to do it that way. You know, and then, and so you just keep hammering that nail over and over and over again. I think it gets you further. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, weird. Like, so let's just, this is a good, I think, segue here. I shouldn't have said that because now it's not a good segue anymore, but. This whole thing with the drag, the family friendly drag shows, and like Christina Aguilera apparently like put a dildo on and like swing it around at a family friendly show. I don't know. I'm seeing all this from. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of energy to give to it. I have to be really kind of selective. Yeah. I don't. I look at the way I was brought up in like the Bible Belt as like very ashamed of sexuality, and I'm like, well, if I had to choose between that and going to drag shows every now and then as an eight year old, take me to the drag shows. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, do I think it's kind of weird? Yeah. Not my kids. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. It's like if you want to go see, if you want to take your like ten year old kid to go see Christina Aguilera, put a fucking dildo on and like flap it around. I go uh, okay, like, and that's maybe those kids will have to like, maybe they are living a shame free environment. And they can run around, you know. But I'll, even kids like I have like you have kids like they run around naked. Who cares? Like yeah. whatever. Yeah, like yeah. it's not. I think there's a you shouldn't impress shame on like natural human desires, emotions, right. unless they're at the cost of someone else. But I have a hard time. I, I've been def- not defending the parents taking their kids to see drag shows. Um, now I think most children would see a drag queen as kind of a clown yeah. and cause drag queens are kind of clowns. Lots of makeup, big hair, fake, like big, like fake boobs and the thing. Very like, animated. And yeah. all of them for whatever reason without yeah. stilettos on are like six, three. So they're humongous. They, you know, if they, if they start doing balloon animals, you'd be like, that's a clown, right? <laughs> Entertaining, hilarious yeah. comedians. A lot of them great MCs of events, especially if you're ever at a gay bar and you go to like a drag people a lot of times in MC events at gay bars. And I used yeah. to, I, I love going to gay bars. I think it's so, you feel so free and liberated. There, it's, they're, and they're so nice. Even they know they could tell them straight, but it's funny. 
Uh, get, how do we mean they can tell you're straight? Ah, uh, usually I have a vibe. Yeah, you know, but yeah. I also get a lot of free drinks. Uh, <laughs> I think it's been like three dollars there on tip. That's it. It's like I had twenty five whiskeys. I was really fucked up. Um, is it like a dance party? That's probably really the fun. agenda. Probably get him another drink. Get him yeah, another drink. Yeah, right. Exactly. I was like, ah, but I was there with a the girl, so it was uh, fine. It was like a long time ago. But um, every now and then, I have a friend that works at a gay bar here. Will pop out and do the thing. But I think it's like fun, you know. And it's like, do I think the kid should be like? Hey, mommy, what is it's not gonna look itself mean? Like, that's a little weird, but like, yeah, I'm not defending them taking the kids to drag shows, I'm defending that it's none of your fucking business. And it, it yeah. is the kid, it's like, it's like you're you're projecting your morality onto those children, and if those people could project their morality onto you in an even way, they would think that you telling kids that they're gonna burn in hell for not fucking uh, adhering to sky god's wishes is deeply inappropriate, which I do too. So I can say that that's I can being secular and sitting here, I could be like. You guys are inappropriate over here with the hell shit. Mm. You guys are probably inappropriate over here with the drag shit too. Yeah. And I don't feel like that's a conflict. I don't feel like I'm defending anybody. I'm saying, hey, you're going to, people do weird shit. Yeah, raise your kids the way that you want to do it. And sure. you know, we'll see what happens. Right. You know what I mean? Just like I was raised in, in, in this, in this very conservative world. I resented it for a long time. It was very toxic for me. I had to work through it. It was a lot of self work. It kind of, but I found gratitude for it later on. Maybe the same thing will happen from the drag way over to another way. Maybe they'll end up being conservatives down the road because like, wow, that was really weird. Maybe we do need more structure and, you know, maybe, maybe there is a framework for morality. Maybe that wasn't okay. And now I know that going forward. We're not, but when people start listening, like, well, this is sexual abuse. I'm like, no, do you there want is to, sexual do, abuse? Do you, there is, but do you want to? Talk no, no. About, I'm not saying that. I'm like that. We want to see real sexual do, abuse. Don't, yeah. don't, don't be like I get this. I get frustrated with the word survivor. I get frustrated with uh, the way people d- uh, use that for people who have are survivors of like sexual assault. I'm yeah. like, like, like you are survive attempted murder, and you can survive a rape that was very right. violent. Like there's, but it's like if if, if your boss body. grabbed your ass, you're not a survivor. You're a victim of sexual right. assault. Yeah. Victim is a word. It means a thing. Survivor means a different thing. Yeah. Okay. Holocaust people, Holocaust survivors are survivors. Right. If your if your boss groped you, you're not a fucking survivor. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it frustrates yeah. me. It's like sexual assault means something. Rape means something. These words are not to be fucked with. They are very serious. And by you saying groomer and this is sexual assault, you are now belittling people who were actually sexually yeah. assaulted and is fucking inappropriate. That's the same thing with racism. It's the same it's thing with exactly the same, the same words or violence. Yes. Because the 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 the, re, the reaction if someone's being violent to you is you can self-defense be violent toward them. Yeah. So you want to play that game of words or violence. That means I can punch you in the face, I can stab you because you're being violent towards me. Yes. It gets a very slippery slope. I'm with you on that. I think Donna, you're an interesting guy because you are very comfortable with your sexuality like you are yes. very like open like you can go to a gay bar you can do this like i think that's not normal i was talking about how i used to flirt with dudes at my gym the gay yeah. guys but yeah, i was like i flirt with I'm, I'm a very flirtatious person so right. like, i didn't see it that way until somebody yeah. said that i was doing it. i was like oh yeah i guess i am whatever but, you know that's it, there's that i made the joke about the, the larry david thing it's like are you scared you're gonna like it? it's like yes i'm scared it's gonna be disruptive and all that <laughs> kind of stuff like people have that kind of idea and i think a lot of these people that are really joe rogan had a joke like if you're strongly against gay marriage it's either that you're gay or you or what, what, no, what Either you're stupid, you're or, stupid you or you secret, secretly think like, dicks are delicious. Yes, that's what it is. It's that's spot on. Like these people that are really hard against this stuff. Like, what are you that scared of? Like, what do you like? What do you what are you worried that's going to happen? And I think there's an element of like, I just again drawing lines. I just don't even want to play with that idea in my head yeah. because it might unravel something that's deep down that I don't want unraveled. Yeah, and I get that. And I think I, honestly, I think that like things. Think about the drag situation, right? Kids yeah. taking their drag kids to drag shows. If those kids. Turn out to be well adjusted, maybe like have an appropriate amount of healthy shame mm-hmm. and don't have yeah. inappropriate shame around their sexuality. They're able to have good relationships. 
That's not actually what these people that are criticizing it want. They want those kids to be fucked up. And what the thing is, they blow it up so much, they've only yeah. created oh. more drag shows for kids. Now, because you've been... Streisand effect, right? Yeah. Now, because Ben Shapiro said it's bad, the other people, just like whenever Trump said something was good, liberals think it's bad. It's the same thing, right? Because you said it's bad, now these other people think it's good. Yeah. And you, oh. So if you actually gave a shit about the kids, you wouldn't bring it up. Mm. You'd leave it alone. You don't care about the kids. It's never been about the kids. It's about your own agenda. And I don't think children are a fucking political football. Yeah, it's a pawn. If you really think that, then what you do is what I, the way I use social media, which is you reach out to them like, hey, I have some concerns. Can you bring me into why you're doing this? Yeah. I don't think it's really necessary. Curiosity, right? But yeah, you bring them onto the podcast and try and work this out in a way. Again, that's loving. You know, I keep going to that, Connor, because, um, you know, when I told you that, that I was Christian, we were like exchanging DMs and you're like, oh, I had no idea. That's kind of what I'm going through, what I'm going yeah. for. Is I don't want I don't want to I don't wear a cross I don't want to say like I'm a Christian and yeah. I, blah, blah. I want to just live in a way that people go ah he's a good dude it kind of reminds wow, me of whenever ba- whenever Botcha said she was a Marxist and I yeah. talked to her afterwards and I was like I didn't know you were a Marxist she was like yeah I was like huh interesting yeah. but okay. she never brings it up okay I know she's a Jew yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> she so, she's got she that she does she like she put that, that out there up. yeah <laughs> yeah she does. It's weird to be a Jewish Marxist too. That's like a very strange thing. I yeah. want to see her and Ben Shapiro have a conversation. By the yeah, way, yeah, well, he was. I mean, that's that's. The, I guess why um, Hitler hated him. But um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the uh, but that that's. I think I think it's a more more potent way to do it. And instead, that's why I get really annoyed by these people who are touting Christianity and Christianity, and then they do horrible things like. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to be mean to people, but I'm yeah. hoping that if I'm kind enough, then people go, huh? Because it's the, it's the concept of like, if you have a, a friend that you've known for 10, 15, 20 years, yeah. right? And you know them to be a really good person and you are a strong Democrat or whatever. And then all of a sudden your friend shows up in a MAGA hat. You have two choices, really. One, that my friend's not who I thought they were, or MAGA people are not who I thought they were. And it's oh, shocking yeah, how many people yeah. go to the latter. I mean, people stop talking to their dads yeah. their moms their sisters brothers because they took a political stance you're a bad person i've known you for 30 years but you're a bad person because you support this political idea oh, i mean i mean people, baffling the, there were some people that were upset that one of the one of the parents of the victims of the uvalde shooting was talking was uh was like defending january 6th yeah and you're like that's what we care about right now this kid this guy's kid is dead like, i don't give a shit how bad of a person is a child dying is a fucking tragedy <sighs> You know, yeah, like it, it doesn't. I don't give a shit if it's an actual literal white supremacist right. with a child. When that child dies, that's that's sad because that child didn't have to necessarily follow that ideology, right? If a white supremacist dies, maybe that's not a bad thing. But like a child dying is a child yeah. dying, regardless, one hundred percent. And th- there's there's life to be lived there, and there's changes to be made, and that is fucked up, dude. It's like yeah. what 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 gives you the right to even bring that up right now? As if this is the yeah. appropriate time to talk about that. People leveraging the death of children for their own attention seeking is disgusting to me but anyways go back no to that, that, yeah. that's that i think that's the best move to, if you want to bring people into your camp into our political homeless camp yeah. into your democrats republicans woke whatever it is what you do is you model this kind of good behavior people that like are attracted to what you're doing they feel warm welcome mm-hmm. loved kindness that's what attracts people to you it's not telling people what you are it's it's showing people this is what i'm doing and they go yeah. oh, okay and it'll start to disrupt a little bit oh you're a hardcore you know card carrying Democrat party Democrat and yet you're great with all these things oh okay well maybe the Democrats aren't completely lost yeah it's a lot better approach and I don't see it nearly Mm. enough 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's the thing, I, love, I love that line, though. It's like either I was wrong about this person, I was wrong about the MAGA people. Yeah. And I had that same conversation with like um, when it came to my family because I was defending Trump supporters. I never voted mm-hmm. for Trump. I never will vote for uh, If he runs again, I'm not voting for the guy. Same. Sorry, I know people, uh, upsets people. Don't give a shit. I'm not doing it. He's a piece of shit. I don't like him. It is what it is. I think he's, I, I, I want to, I'd like a president that I could tell my kids, like, you can aspire to be like this person. And until we get one of those, they can all stick a bag of dicks as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So we're in, we're in trouble. Yeah, we, we very much are. But when we look at this thing, it's like I would talk about my parents. I'm like, listen, a lot of these people that are voting for Trump aren't white supremacists. I mean, there are a lot of white supremacists. That, I mean, that's who they vote for. Yeah. That the ones that are out there, the few of them that there are out there. But it's like these, they're just conservatives, man. You know, in my hometown, Graham, Texas, they don't have to deal with any of these issues that we spend so much airtime debating. This is this is real America, right? This is like blue small collar town, blue workers, collar, yeah. oil and gas, cattle town, and whether that's the Rust Belt. There's other like if you live in the Rust Belt and your whole entire way of life has been undermined, do you really give a shit what someone's pronouns are? Right. And that's what Nancy Pelosi wants to talk about. Like you're kneeling in kente cloth, yeah. right, and doing whatever the fuck you need to do, while that your constituents are actually suffering. Yeah. You know. Like Joe Manson is playing whatever fucking political games he's playing and, and getting his daughter a golden parachute of $30 million after she outsources all the jobs from a pharmaceutical company, right? And it's gets in West her Virginia, fa- right? In West Virginia. Yeah. And you're like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You deserve no one's respect, you fucking coward. And it's like, what are we doing here? There's real people that are suffering. And I'm fed up with both sides not giving a shit. You know, and this yeah, it's all a show. I mean, that's where, where Batia went went off, which I thought was really good. About she making she it about and I class. have a very similar personality when we handle these things. Very similar tone. Just fire. The, uh, <laughs> the, Pia Milani, who's uh, actually Eric Weinstein's wife, the economist, she had this idea about identity. Um, that that ever since I heard it, I was like, that is spot on. The Democrats yeah. used to be the party of the working class. They had used to be mm-hmm. the party of the working class, and then when you are the party of the working class, you have to deliver hours, treatment, things like that. That are that are opposing mm-hmm. the corporate donors. Mm-hmm. So the Democrats kept losing. They kept losing. They kept losing. And then when Clinton came in, it was like, well, we keep losing. So like, what we, we have to get the, the rich people, the donors, the, the corporate class on our side. So we're not going to be the party of, of the, the working class. And we're going to be the party of identity. Yeah, and, what's and cheaper and than just saying, oh, you're yeah. Filipino? I represent you. Yeah, and that, that's fucking it. That's all they fucking do. Well, and that, that on top of the fact, Taibbi talks about this in Hating Inc. And you've read that book. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, journalists really should be a working class job. But what it is now is people who live in New York and they may make $25,000 a year working at the New York Times, but mommy and daddy have money. You see what I'm saying? Unpaid internships. Unpaid. And, and yeah. who, who Ever can, since Watergate, it became this hero thing. Exactly. It was like all the president's men, yeah. West Wing type people. I never yeah. watched either one of those, but yeah. it's like, I get what the premise yeah. is. And like that, that kind of made this thing. And it's like Taibbi's dad was a journalist in a small mm-hmm. town newspaper. And it was like working class job, working class living. And then maybe the owners of the paper were more conservative. Like they were talking about that today. You had these mm-hmm. like left wing working class journalists was pretty common. And then you had the editors were pretty conservative. So you had, they had this like tug of war pulling back and forth. And that would end up with real news. You yeah. end up with like yeah. a, a balanced opinion because you have think about like if you have a a, a a kind of a populist left person and the editor is conservative, they're having a dialogue about what is appropriate mm-hmm. to put out in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. You might between those two things, kind of like I was talking about with libertarians and, and socialists and government, you it's like something. you get something out of that yeah. where it can resonate. It's like, hey, this is actually like a misrepresentation. You have a challenge with your editor versus them trying to dress up yours to reach out to other white collar liberals in whatever city you know of choice. If you're at the Washington Post or New York Times. You, you now have a formula for that, right? It's like Marvel movies. They have a yeah. formula. They, they lost their luster because of the formulaic approach to things. And that's where we're at with, with journalism as well. It's like we've become, we've become predictable in what we consume 
And so with that, along with that predictability, we just have very little nuance. Really. Yeah, they're so out of touch. These big newsrooms and stuff—they're just—they're just out of touch. And it's not even their fault. I've yeah. taught—I taught in like a really, really tough area of LA in East LA, and then I moved to this private school. It's like Beverly Hills adjacent, and you can see like how they don't know. I mean, and it goes both ways. Like the kids in the hood have no idea what it's like, and they probably no. look at them and they go, "Oh, their life is so easy." Nah, man, they're still teenagers. They haven't seen their dad in a month. Like yeah. they're, you know, like they have problems too. Just because you're wealthy doesn't mean you don't have problems. Yeah. But you're not tuned into the bigger systemic problems and policy mm-hmm. issues that are crushing the lower class because you never felt those policy issues. And your job is to highlight what these policy issues are to try and get some you know, extrinsic motivation to, um, to, 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 toward the, the politicians to start making better changes. And it's just Absolutely. not happening. Speaking of newsroom, you said newsrooms. I think about the newsroom. Do you play that clip from the first episode of the newsroom to your kids in high um, school? I used to, but here's the thing: I actually, um, I take, I used to look at that and go, "That's right." Now I had take issue with it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So my issue with it is when he says freedom, we all have freedom, blah blah, blah Canada, blah. and I go Canada. You well, that, that, yeah, yeah. Well, at the time it was <laughs> accurate. The, right. That's what I'm saying. I watched. I actually just watched that like a month ago. It's funny we're talking about this. I watched that. I go, huh. Canada, UK. Well, in the UK, they locked up, what was it, Catherine something, like, for, for using the wrong pronouns on Twitter. They put her in jail. Yeah. In Canada, they, they took people's donations, and then they took people's bank accounts. So, huh, are we? Hmm, maybe. Well, even, and you even say, you know, well, I think the criticism, too, is, like, America's not as free as we like to pretend it is. Largest prison population in the world. True, true. Uh, yeah, the drug laws, we've been over that. Yeah, like, yeah. It was, there's so many ways we can say it. Julian Assange. Yeah. <laughs> Edward, uh, Edward Snowden, like, these guys, like, they're not free. And they did journalism. So it's like there's, right. there's you know, uh, Guantanamo Bay, people that were held there for a decade without actually were innocent of any. Uh, that's no, with the Constitution. Man, and that's with, yeah. yeah, with no due process, circumvented due process. So it's like, I think the thing is like, yeah, we don't have as many like, we have more civil liberties, but like there's a, there's a, there's a hypocrisy in the freedom claim. Yeah. Regardless 100%. if we look at it that way versus seeing like, yeah, we're more free than Canada now. Yeah. Um, but like, and it, I don't know. Also, it's one of those things where like, where is better? You know, I don't know. Like, you could look at Scandinavian countries, but. You can't be, you can't take immigrants there. It's like homogeneous mm-hmm. culture. Like, yeah. I don't know. I really like, wanted to move to New Zealand to live where they, they, where they, that was my, that was my escape. Yeah, they won't take you, right? Well, I think they will now. We have a business. It's hard. So it's, it's hard. It was yeah. hard. I tried to do it already and I got my okay. visa denied because I didn't use a visa lawyer, but uh. Uh, I had a job at a CrossFit gym and they had to go uh. through, they had to jump through some hoops to get me, but it was going to be really good. They were opening a new location. Oh, cool. Uh, Toa CrossFit. Great. Shout out to them if you're ever over in New Zealand, Wellington, <laughs> New Zealand. Um, but I was really excited about it and didn't work out. And then I got the job on it and stayed here. But I just always, I've never even been there. I just love the place. And I was like, I want to yeah. change. I want to go, you know, I, could, well, I was I young and really young and, and, and qualified, more qualified than anybody else in like that space to yeah. go over there and let it happen. So, um, I love America though. But I, I, I love it. It was like, there's, but there's, just, and now it's like, where else would I go? Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I love this country. I really do. But I'm also hypercritical of it. Cause like your I, the way I explained to my teenagers, like, you know, your best friend is not the one that says like, girl, you look good in anything. Yeah. Like, no, your best friend's like, you look like shit. We got to get, take care of you. Come on, yeah. let's fix you up a little bit. Like, that's, so I'm constantly calling out shit. Like I talk about the Mili master. I talk about the, like mm-hmm. by the end of the, of the year, it's like starting from, you know, like the, the Boston massacre all the way up through, you know, the USS Maine to get us into the, the um, Spanish American war Gulf of Tonkin. These are all just lies, lies, lies to get us in the war. Yeah. Like then all the way up to weapons of mass destruction and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the kids, the kids are like, huh, I'm picking up a pattern here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we've done fucked up stuff in this yeah, country. I mean, if you ever listen doesn't to- mean we're, we're, we can't get better. We just have to constantly be getting better. And the only way we can do that, that's why I use history for that idea. But I, I can, again, hold these two things. America is fucked up and I love it and I don't want to go anywhere else. And this is, this is my home. So those are two things and they're not in conflict with me. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's like, 
what what frustrates me about conservatives is they don't want to take responsibility. This is about whether it's Christianity mm-hmm. or America. Yeah. These two things. They do not want to take responsibility for the shadow side of these realities. Like if you, look, I, w- I was going to a job interview once. This is years ago, and I was listening to uh, Danielle Bolelli's um, podcast on Crazy Horse, and he went into yeah. detail about what these you know pre America, but like Americans, uh, westward expansionist we're doing to the women and children. I mean, I'm talking Sand I, Creek massacre and stuff all like that. that stuff. Oh, yeah. And God. so it was like scalping their vagina, right. And wearing it as a trophy, women and little girls. Right. And I was like, I was listening to him explain this and he like slowed down in his French accents very hard to hear. So you have to really listen. And I was in the parking lot at this place. I was going to the job. I was crying, dude. Yeah. I, could, I had to get my shit together. I was like, dude, you got to fucking get to, you got to go, do a job interview and I didn't, I was, I was really fascinated with it. And they got to that part. I was like, and then you have someone like fucking Candace Owens. Who's like, well, the native Americans were mean to each other too. And I'm like, well, somehow they didn't eradicate themselves. Are you serious, dude? Are you, can you not take responsibility for like what has gone on? Right. If you're a Christian, you need to be able to really articulate why, uh, it may be an indictment of the inquisition. You know, like these are important things. That, like everything has a shadow side. And I think there's a, as a history teacher, I, I, I would, Say, like, there is a gigantic lesson in the downside of being powerful and viewing human beings as inconvenience. And if you think that the, the westward expansion impact on, on Native Americans, whether a lot of it was intentional or not, whether it was diseases, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You almost eradicated an entire people. That is on par with the Holocaust. And if you do not believe that, again, I have a hard time taking you seriously. Yeah. Now, was there a Hitler no, so that there's a difference. There's differences, but as far as the loss of life and the loss of well-being for a for a for a a, a, a people, like really, like, a, like a, it's like a species gone. You know, it's yeah. like a, and, and instead of us saying having some humility when we got over here as Americans, as white people, saying, "Hey, there's actually really amazing things about this culture we can infuse to our own," we robbed them of their children. Mm-hmm. We stole their children. Are you yeah. fucking serious? Like, so it's like. Take responsibility for the shadow side of America. Like there have been bad things. To think that like the black communities now have not been are not still being impacted by laws of the past is incredibly naive. There's a reason we say the term old money. Mm-hmm. And just like there's old money that doesn't seem to go away, right? There's systemic issues in the other direction. Right. It's not that complicated and it's not controversial to say, hey, let's do something about that. I just don't understand why that's, why that's so hard for someone to wrap their mind around as if I'm trying to like rip their whole worldview apart. I just, I don't get it. This is this, talking about patterns. This is the same pattern. This is politically homeless in a nutshell. Like everything, you know, we can do these things at once. We can say that Western expansion grew a whole bunch of things. That's how we have, you know, the medicine that we have and the technology and the, the beautiful things that now I have air conditioning, all that kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. Like, yes, and it came at this really ugly cost. Same thing with America probably wouldn't have survived without slavery. So we have these things, and I love America, and it's fucked up too. And we can just recognize that. We can have some softness. Candace Owens, when she went in on uh, George Floyd, like, I don't think of him as a hero. I don't think, like, he's, you know, oh, well, that he died type of thing because he was a bad guy at some point in his life. Like, why do you have to, I'm with you, like, why do we have to, why can't we just hold those two things at once? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, I don't understand let's just that. Let's put that on the George Floyd thing, right? Yeah. My dad has a rod in his neck because he painted airplanes and cars. So he had, a, he had wore a helmet and it eventually degraded his upper spine. Oh, wow. So it's a rod. Like he can't, when he turns, he turns his head a little bit, but he turns yeah. his body mostly. Yeah. And when he got arrested, they put this knee, their knee on his neck. And they gave him a resisting arrest charge because he couldn't turn his head and put it. You know, when you get arrested, you put your yeah. ear to the ground. He can't do that. And they thought he was fighting him. He wasn't. So they're down there trying to turn his head and force it into the ground with a rod in his neck and then discharge him for resisting arrest, which got uh, dropped. Yeah. And it's like, so Candace, my dad's a nonviolent drug criminal. Mm-hmm. Never hurt anybody. Yeah. 
he sold That's drugs. That's he's arrested for drugs? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, so so what do you have to say about that? Like the same, he, they could have they killed him right there. Yeah. Are you going to say the same thing? He would now he wouldn't be famous and he's a white dude. But what like it's like so it's like it's not that you're, you're missing the fucking point, Candace, and you're doing it to gain attention. You're doing it for they're attention whores, man, and it's so frustrating. It's like you're just saying something to be controversial. Like Tim Pool does this in the most egregious way. It's like it should be illegal not to own an AR-15. I'm like, are you dumb? Like, what do you yeah. what do you do, dude? You've had a gun for two years. You talked about how you got your first gun two years ago. Yeah. Like I was five years old. I was shooting real guns. So how about you let the grown-ups talk and shut the fuck up? And that's how I feel about so many conservative people that especially new conservatives are like, I'm so proud of my conservatism. And I'm like, you understand when you were a new liberal, you felt the same fucking way. Can you not see the patterns in your own Dave life? Rubin. Dave Rubin, great example. I'm a classical liberal. Like you've now made it where I can't say I'm a classical liberal because I actually am, but yeah. I won't say it because you fucking said it. Yeah. You ruined it for me. You ruined the term. John Stuart Mill is a classical liberal. Like, like and if follow what John Stuart Mill is saying, you're not J- doing it. JFK, classical yeah, liberal. Right. Like, it's like, it's, it. It, it's, it's wild, but that, so we can apply this, this kind of stuff that we're doing, Connor, is like, we can apply this to, seems like every, all of these things, and we can mm-hmm. call out the crazy on the left, crazy on the right, because they're both playing the same game. You and I see it. The people who listen to your stuff and follow my stuff, they're doing, they're, they're seeing it. That's why it resonates with them. And that's why I think that even though they might, like those people who are more polarized, uh-huh. have more followers followers or more cloud or whatever it is the they don't get the like oh man yes finally there's there's some nuance here there's something like i knew something was off about them and all, and them but you're kind of highlighting uh-huh. it and i think that's why it's resonating i think that's why people want us to have this conversation i think that's why um like we can we can we can go through this as, as like we can hold these two things to be true and it also helps us to communicate with yeah. each other because it's like yeah okay you see things that i don't okay cool and i see things that you don't okay cool and mm-hmm. you don't get all bent out of shape for it because Again, I think that they know. I think that the conservatives and the woke, they know that their ideas are fragile. Yeah. So it's kind of like with you with the sexuality stuff. It's like you you know you're too fragile that you won't even step foot in a gay bar. You won't even watch a second <laughs> of, a, of like a drag queen because you might like it a little bit. And when it comes to politics and stuff like that, I think they know that there's holes in their arguments. They just don't want to be anywhere and near those dodge holes. Enga- dodge engagement. Yeah. You know, and I think – and the people that follow me, it's so funny because I get this message a lot. And you probably do too. It's like, thank you for feeling, making me feel like I'm not a crazy person. Yes, all Because like, yeah. you get gaslit from both sides. Like it, it's – tip. It's we – I have you say this. Like, I wanted to do a whole video on this. I probably should. Let me know if I should. Everybody out there listening, it's like I want to draw correlates between because I worked as a relationship coach for a little mm-hmm. while and I worked mm-hmm. people through. You know, like especially it was usually people that I had really a narcissistic relationship with someone. So I learned a lot about that. I was kind of fascinated with it, and so I kind of attracted people that had also gone through that same experience. And it's like, yeah. man, this is the the relationship we have with journalism and the government and these institutions is so. Typical narcissist code, narcissism, narcissist codependent relationship, like gaslighting, confusion, doubting your own reality. All these about like party loyalist people. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like that, but also people that are like that are trying to think it through, but they just can't. Like it's so hard to find good information. So it's like this is what's real, and then you look over here, like this is what's real, and then everybody's full of shit. And it's like, well, that's not really what happened. And like with all the COVID stuff, like people were losing their minds, and it's like you're being gaslit at every step of the way, and that actually is very damaging for human uh, uh, just wellness, like mental wellness. And in people, I think people felt, I even felt, I was like, am I crazy? Like, am I yeah. losing my mind? Cause this doesn't, this, none of this makes any sense to me. And I think that was what drew people to me in a lot of ways. It was like, thank you for speaking about this in a rational way. Like I posted that botcha video on, on, on a re- I posted a reel of her okay. talking and she's yeah. like, you know, the vaccine saved millions and millions of lives. And I had a lot of people being like, no, it didn't save millions and millions of lives. And this game might have. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was. There's a lot of unhealthy people. There's a lot of people that are obese and have other yeah. comorbidities. And it's a lot of elderly. There's millions and millions of elderly people that it, the value proposition was probably correct for them. I didn't feel that it was for me, but I don't need to. Not my business. Right. 
I don't, I don't tell my how to live their life. Again, right. you can you can say vaccine is good for this population and maybe yeah. not for this population. So probably in the on the global scale of seven point seven billion people, probably saved millions and millions of lives. Don't know, like we, 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 and we won't know because that's a, that's an alternate reality, right? In the in the in the multiverse, yeah. if you switch to another one where the vaccine was never invented, maybe we would know, but we won't know. So it's fine. And if somebody wants to say that, like it's it's. Well, they're also not studying. They don't have good data on who took the vaccine and who didn't, and then the long-term effects of it yeah. for clotting and exactly stuff like that. Exactly what I'm saying. So people are like, people are needed to attach themselves to that. And they're like, yeah. you don't know. She actually doesn't know. No one really knows. She said a thing. Why are you focused on that? That's not that, that, had, that wasn't a substantive piece of the conversation at any point anyways, yeah. but you found this thing that you needed to like, be upset about. So it's very strange. So here's the thing, Connor. So you na- this is naturally the way that you are. This is naturally the way that I am. It's like, if I'm going to learn basketball, though, I don't want to learn from LeBron because it's like, what do I do? He's like, you just jump up and dunk. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like, oh, that doesn't really help me. Yeah. Like, this comes very natural to us. But I think the goal here is if we're going to try and, you know, fix this culture war to some degree or have some sort of, in, you know, um, influence over it is how do we get people to start to be willing to do this? And that's a lot of the stuff that I do. That's that, I mean, that's kind of my thing. Cause I'm a teacher. Yeah. So I'm always trying to like, here's tips for how to understand this stuff. And here's this, that's a lot of what my, my Instagram is, is like these how to things to get people to just question, ponder, just mm-hmm. get a little crack, but it's hard because it's so naturally the way that I am. And it is the way that you are to someone who's not, but kind of wants to be, mm-hmm. I think that's something that that um, is worth worth addressing. How do you how do you? So I think you know I, I talked about this earlier about Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. and how I listen to people talk through their thought process. And I think I, I try and do that as well. Is I want to asking good questions, being mm-hmm. curious, listening is a big part of that, right? Long form, yeah, long form. Like yeah. we're we're almost two hours in, right? Okay. So we've had long long form conversation. But also when I'm when I'm talking about especially a very contentious argument, I like to share my process, my thought process for getting to something. A lot of times it doesn't make it to Instagram though because things mm. have to be a little shorter. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. On the podcast, I do try and do okay. that. And when I do that, that actually then it, it's like I'm opening up the kimono, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh hey, like, and then somebody's like, oh well, you missed this here. Or, oh, I like the way you thought. And then so it's like, again, it's like now I'm sharing. I'm not sharing my thoughts. I'm sharing my thought process. Because it's hard for me to, again, it's like mm-hmm. I don't want to learn how to play basketball from LeBron. Right. I used to say the same thing about uh, CrossFit. I was like, the worst people to teach adults how to do gymnastics are people who are really good at gymnastics right. and they did it as a child because they don't know how to not do it. It's like asking me how to be tall. It's yeah. like I don't have Agreed. to, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep, yep. So it's it, for me, it's like it was a series of experiences and a lot of it had to do with like questioning my own um a lot of questioning around like when your parents are addicts, it's very confusing. So you end up being very curious or I did, I don't know about anybody else's experience, but it's like, why is this drug more important than me? Right. It's a very, that's an existential crisis as a seven year old. Right. So it's yes. like you end up with a, with an embedded sense of a, either depending on how you handle that, it can go a couple different ways or it can be very bad. Or maybe sometimes in my case, I feel like it's actually, I'm grateful for that experience. Um, which I feel like I don't have a choice of it to be grateful or resent it. So, yeah. you know, of, of those two options, I'll choose gratitude. But for I think sure. talking through out loud your thought process, and, and again, in the Patreon is really great for this too because people get to ask me why I think what I think. And it sometimes it takes somebody asking me that for maybe to share it and then maybe get criticism on that and be receptive to that as well, you know, yeah. because I'm looking at the life through my lens of experience as are you, as is everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I've taken it upon myself to broaden my lens of experience and let more in. Right. And then to kind of open up the filter a little bit and let more in and then be okay with that. And it, that's comfortable for me. I can understand why it's uncomfortable for some people as well. But that's kind of my okay. take on that. Yeah. So it's, it's modeling again. Yeah. I guess yeah. so it'd be modeling the same way that I was talking about with religion or whatever it is, is, is modeling. And that's why I think like those simple things. I love those. Uh, do you have Peter Bogosian and James Lindsay's book, How to Have 
uh, impossible conversations. No, it's no, pretty good. No, you know, and there's like James Lindsay kind of turns me off a little bit. Who? <laughs> James, Lindsay. I know, and maybe, me too. I mean, he's a friend. Like he's he's been great. He, he has yeah. good ideas. I just don't. Again, we have very different. He, like, he, he made fun of somebody for being fat, and I was like, or something like whatever. And I was like, dude, you're a soft bodied motherfucker. <laughs> Meat kettle. Uh, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, I think that, that there's like those things. Like, why do you think I think what I think? Like yeah. just like so I put that stuff out there because these are just questions you can start. Like mm-hmm. you only need a crack. I teach about uh during the hippie movement, LSD and stuff <laughs> like that. I talk about the uh the future bus. You know, Timothy Leary and then mm-hmm. um or Ken Kinsey, I guess it was. Yeah. And uh, you know, just driving around, they would drive around these small towns in like the early nineteen sixties that have they this bus rolls in and there's you know, cannabis smoke rolling and the rock and roll, and people are just like, What is that? It's just like I just want to crack I want to put a little crack in, in in your head about what you think is possible, or so, just yeah. something to grow. You know, jujitsu is a possible great one for that nor- too. Normal, even yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you know, like a hundred and thirty pound, you know, high level black belt will just wrap up, you know, a, yeah. a, a division one football player. And it's like, how is this possible? It's like, well, maybe other things are possible too. So like, let's let's open this up a little bit. It gives you some. Or even thinking about whatever, like getting Bobby. getting getting uh, strangled as like a form of like fitness or, yeah. or or learning about your own vulnerability is like a weird kind of concept. You yeah. Once I mean? you open your mind up to that, then it can kind of go in. A little bit so i try to just ask those questions put up memes or whatever that as someone's on the scroll hole in instagram they get to that and they go oh or you end up like eddie bravo and you think the earth is flat and you talk you about power seven that, yeah you <laughs> could go off that deep end but then he becomes closed-minded yeah to like real data that says like it's not yeah you know yeah, the tower there's a lot of unanswered questions about 9-11 i do appreciate that but the flat earth sure. stuff i'm like yeah i kind of draw the line there but it, sure. uh, we had this conversation was it you us that had the conversation about the flat earth stuff no it's like opening oh it was in a, it was in a, uh, at a panel or a table i was like the best thing about flat earth and i will defend this till i'm blue in the face again is like it if you watch enough flat earth videos it made you question whether Good. or not the world was round and one of the things people said oh is somebody asked me what i enjoyed about what i do i was like if i can make somebody consider changing their mind even if they end up at the same conclusion Conclusion. They've now ended up with that same conclusion with a stronger position and a, and a more resilient 100%. position. And the same thing for a, about five minutes, I was like, maybe the earth is flat. And then I was, did some more digging. I was like, okay, this makes no sense. Do you know, made by Jim Bob, no, the artist, he does like all, you've probably seen his art. Yeah. It's like, it's like all over the, but he is like, uh, he doesn't believe that in like space, basically uh, fa- space is fake. Basically. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's interesting. So he like NASA's all a conspiracy. And I had a conversation with him and he's a smart guy. And it was, it made me like, not, I didn't buy into it, but it made me go, wow, there's actually like, there are arguments here that aren't complete nonsense. Even yeah. if the place he lands is nonsense, the arguments to get there, the process is actually like, wow, that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it was. Like, I, I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson posted like a, the last uh, photo from a satellite that was basically drifting into Saturn and burns up, mm. and it's like Saturn and the clouds wow. and the rings around it. I was like, oh my god, that's beautiful. And I was like, so many people think that is fake, and I was yeah. like, maybe it is fake. <laughs> yeah, but know. then it's back to the, the gay bar and the drag queen thing. Yeah. It's like, is like. All right, I'm okay with like questioning that and like and then I'll just I'll follow it along and I'll take my stances. I have strong beliefs loosely held. Yeah. And I think that that's strong the, beliefs. I love that statement. Yeah, I think it's, it's so a good, good way to, to kind of approach it. Well, man, this has been fun. Yeah, this is awesome. We did a great job. I think people will be satisfied with what they, they've been they've been wanting it for so long. <laughs> and doing it in person. Yeah, the world's better. Yeah. yeah. Plus your setup here is awesome. Yeah, we had it's a little really bit of, we had a little better interview setup, but it's hard to get people all the way out of here. Yeah. But uh maybe when I'm as famous as Ben Greenfield, they'll They'll come they'll, they'll, when I build it. They will come, right? Yeah. Well, dude, uh, where can everybody find you at? Uh, yeah. So Instagram is the the social media that I use. It's just my name, 
uh, Will Roosh, W-I-L-L-R-E-U-S-C-H. And then my podcast is Cylinder Radio. The idea is like a cylinder. So from this, it's a circle. From this, it's a rectangle. <laughs> so, you know, these ideas are nuanced. So you could take any controversial idea and you just flush out the nuance of it and just like play with those ideas. So it's it's just right aligned with all the stuff we're talking about. Perfect, dude. It's been a really, it's been a blast hanging out with you this weekend. I've had a great time. Yeah, man, for sure. 